Guard the Lieutenant Wharf. You step into my regiment, please, and bring a tricorder with you. Hi, Captain. What do you make of that? I am puzzled, sir. The only detectable bioelectric particles are your own. You did not help. I did not. running Star Trek The Next Generation Relaunch Podcast. Every week, we're bringing you an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and all the behind-the-scenes stories that came together to make that magic happen. My name is Mitchell Nell, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs, ex-head of Resources Management. Brandon, how are you? Uh, pretty good, Mitch. I, um, spending a lot of today jelking, actually. I know you're a big jelker. I'm, a, I'm not a big jelker, but I jelk when necessary. You know, sometimes it feels less like a shaft and more like a button. Right. You know what I mean? On those days. You got to get your jelking you, in. You got to, you gotta, you know, tie a little weight to it and just helicopter it around for, for a bit. Now, is this, is this akin to skipping leg day? I, I've heard that's a big faux pas. That is a faux pas. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, if if you want consistent results, you need to you need to put consistent work in, and you can't skip jelk day either. Oh, I hate work, especially consistent work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that, you know that that's why we're doing the podcast, of course. Right, 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 and that's why my uh my penis is relatively un unjelked. Unjelked. <laughs> I I'll, I think we've well, had I've this. I've offered to jelk it for you. I know you have, but it's it's work on either end, right? Um, <laughs> I suppose. It's not. It's not easy. If I could just like be put under and then be jelked and then wake up, <laughs> then I would. Uh, I would go go for the procedure. But that that would be nice. Yeah, I mean, it's just 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 uh, uh, wake up completely jelked. You know, I I I actually have a goings on in my life related to this. Okay, <laughs> and you're gonna hate this. I've been watching Severance. Yes, yes, you have been. <laughs> Yeah, I actually finished. I watched it in one day. Um, that was a good eight That's hours, nice. eight hours of my life or so. I've heard it's really good. So why are you coming down on me? I told you I watched it, and you gave me like a dismissive "my friend is dead" response. I, I yeah, I, I sent, I sent you a dismissive Obi Wan shift. Yes. Um, well, I don't know. It's just it's you know it's the the flavor of the month, so to speak. So. The uh, the Korean currency. You gotta naturally be suspicious. What? The Obi Wan. Nice. Thanks. I, I guess. Yeah. Um. Really good. I don't. I don't typically watch television or whatever passes for television these days, even though it's you know on on your iPad and not your TV. Mm-hmm. But um, I typically don't watch any of these series, and uh, I quite enjoyed Severance, and I. I know, I, I know exactly why I enjoyed it, and I, I alluded to this. Um, it's not up its own ass about, like, oh, what's the answer to the mystery? Because oh. then anything that's set up like that, whenever, either they never give you the answer, and it's just you, your interest wanes, or... It's like, a, like a lost situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's um, just you get the answer, and then you have nothing else to to look forward to because there's nothing really interesting about the show it was just a mystery um this like a lost situation well yes 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 but this avoids that it it has like mysterious um overtones mysteries Uh mysterious mysteries but um the actual plot 
and the the characters are all very engaging. So you mm. you you have something concrete to you know hitch your wagon to. Oh, so like a lost situation? No, no, Lost didn't have that. That's where Lost floundered. Now, I this, it, this did you watch Lost? Here's my secret confession that um might <laughs> might be my worst character trait, the worst thing about me. That's that's a really really big claim. <laughs> well, I've only seen like I started watching Lost at season four or five, mm. which is I think the exact point where everybody said it became terrible. <laughs> and then I watched that thing it went for like seven seasons, didn't it? Yeah, so I started watching when it became terrible and watched it to the end. And to this day, I've not seen the first however many seasons that were actually good. So, so uh, to summarize, the first three seasons are apparently good. Yeah. So, so more than half of it is bad. That's mm. awesome. And uh, there are some really big lost heads out there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a ton of them on Easter Island. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Wow. But yeah, I mean, people people love this show. Like it's a cult classic almost. And the thing is that. To go back to the flaws I was describing about it, Lost is just mystery on mystery on mystery with very little substance. It's mm. um like, oh, here's this big shadow monster flying around. What's that? Well, we'll never find out. I guess it's this guy that kind of looks like Billy Joel, but whatever. <laughs> and um, then, it's, oh, here's a vault with like a, a hatch on it. We got to open the hatch. What's in the hatch? Oh, after three... Se- we open the hatch. And what is inside? A, a guy reading a bunch of numbers... And what do the numbers mean? Well, I don't know. I, I Let's spend a few more seasons on the numbers. And then there's like a submarine, nice. and, and one guy dies. My recollection of Lost is very, very sparse, but it's basically just a, a running series of questions with yeah, unsatisfying yeah. answers. And then they, they got this guy to make Star Wars. Right. Who are the, who are the others? Who are the others? Look, it's the others. They're the others. Who are they? Oh, they're a people. That's lost. Wait, well, they're people who aren't you. Who's the guy that made Star Wars? Is this the J. Abrams? This is a J.J. Abrams thing. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. The, the lost, lost put him on the map. Well, he made Alias. And Fel- <laughs> Felicity. And Fringe. Felicity Jones. Fringe, more like cringe. <laughs> Take that, J.J. Abrams. You fucking loser. Um, it's, it's through Fringe that I found that Wikipedia has an article titled Friday Night Death Slot. What is that? It's when you put a television show to air. It's new episodes on Friday uh, nights. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, divorced from the context of television, I was like, what is a death slot? Right, right, right. Well, there's a reason I presented this the way I did. <laughs> just to make it as Friday obtuse for you as possible you, you, you do you do it's it's like a, a the clock strikes midnight at the casino and some like and any given slot machine just results in your death this is a big big saw comes out all right hold on the, uh, so one slot machine chosen at random um you know kills you and then all the other ones have like a moderately big payout at the yeah. same time so it's it's like Shirley Jackson's the lottery, and uh, 
You know, everybody is just, they're gambling. Oh, would you gamble your life? Yeah, I would gamble my life. And uh, Right. It's, that's, it's yeah. a b- bad movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like a bad dystopian sci-fi from the, from the 80s with terrible special effects. Right. The death slot. The, the world looks basically the same as the 80s. With like maybe some silly costumes, like the police look all like decked out, but right. aside from that, it's just the eighties. Everybody's got a prime number written on their chest. <laughs> Friday night death slot. There's something very endearing about old movie trailers. Yeah, it's called being good. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'd call a lot of them good. But they don't have, they certainly don't have, like, the blong thing yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, it's so annoying. Blong. You, you, get like a, you get, like, a rap song in there, but, like, slowed down, obviously. Um, it, you know, in time with the cuts to black. Right. And uh, what else is there? I mean, uh, you know, you learn the entire plot of the movie. It, it spoils any twists at all for you. If it's a Marvel movie, there's, like, a big pillar of light shining from the <laughs> the sky into the into the earth <laughs> Bong. if it's a marvel trailer you get a good couple of quips in there too that like completely interrupt the the rest of the sound so the right. music stops the, the the sound effects stop you're like wait what what did you just say <laughs> that happened you know that's gonna sting tomorrow <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> oh, i hate it wouldn't so want to be that guy we're not even like we're not saying anything novel here, but it's like you just can't help but complain about it. But every time it comes up, the old trailers are like very quaint. Yeah, and um, I'm Only not to gonna, the point. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that they're good because I kind of enjoy them for their uh, I don't know simplicity. You, you like them ironically. I'm not gonna say ironically, but. I, I think it's just the contrast of what's going on today, right? Like, if I were mm. to, to see these in isolation, like, if you raised me on an island with nobody else and my first exposure to society was an 80s movie trip, I don't think I would be that enamored with it. But... I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you would if you were raised on an island not surrounded. You'd, you'd be enamored with anything. No, I'd be afraid of it. It's like a god firebox. <laughs> Uh, so what you're basically saying is that we need to return with with a V instead of a U. Uh yes. Um, have like the lower third, um, kind of spliced off by by a few centimeters horizontally of this image. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the population. <laughs> for a minute, the human population. <laughs> the third of us sliced <laughs> off. Which, which I was about to agree with you too on that. <laughs> uh. uh Enslave the lower third of the population and use them as death grovelers. Live cattle. Have them mine infidium. We we come awfully close to advocating for genocide. Somewhat often (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) Probably every episode. (laughs) Which is very not Trek-like, is it? No. Well, maybe. I mean... Maybe it is. Trek has has a canonical World War III, so... That's like there had to have been a genocide there. World War Two had a yeah. genocide. Coincidence? Oh, maybe not. Maybe it's... not. You know, <clears throat> maybe we are just kind of um, ahead of our time, uh, relatively speaking. You know, living in the the year twenty twenty two. 
Right. Behind we're, we're primed for World War Three. Behind our time relative to Star Trek. Yes. Yes. But you know, we're we're I think we're we're nestled uh, snugly into uh, what we what we should be thinking, given given our contemporary surroundings. You know, mm. uh, th- there can't be a Trek future without uh, without a couple genocides before that. Well, they say that um, good times make weak men, mm-hmm. and uh, and we're just a couple of podcast hosts. <laughs> weak men create hard times, and then hard times create Star Trek. You know, hard times was the name of a Paramore song. Mm. Which um, I, to me lends credence to the argument. Needs credence, clear water. water revival. Yeah. Word <laughs> <laughs> association. I um, something else going on in my life. I'm really struggling with. I'm um, in the throes of battling an apparent sugar addiction. Which apparent? Apparent. I. A couple weeks ago, I'm like, ah, whatever. I'm just going to stop drinking lattes and eating desserts. Mm. And I have. But over the past, like, I don't know, two or three days, I've just been really thirsting for for something sweet. Does it make you, like, angry? No, it just, um, I usually just jerk off and go to sleep. Mm. But I mean, that's no different from any other day. I think the magic number for any addiction is, like, what, three weeks? Probably. A lot of people like to say, oh, you know, three weeks and something becomes a habit. Yeah, three's a crowd, but... Mm-hmm. Two men and a baby, which right. is three. Right, right, right. Three babies and a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is the name of... um. The, the Spiner Triplets autobiography. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my will well, my will is strong. I've I've not broken, but it's I've never really um desired this hard before. You've never desired this hard. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. I mean is it really that bad though? It's not like you. It's not like you eat like a it's, ridiculous amount of sugar, is it? No, it's not. But and I'm, I'm, you know, addiction's a strong word. It's not like I'm having withdrawal or anything. It's, it's not a real addiction. But um, oh, tell 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 that to Tumblr. <laughs> but I just really, it's just on my mind. Like I'll I'll eat something. You know, I'll have my dinner as usual, and even though I'm full, I'm like, man, I really just want to. Go, I want to drink a, an espresso or a latte yeah. or something. And maybe yeah. it's the caffeine in those that are contributing to it. Because I've also, uh, by virtue of really just drinking uh, seltzer water, I'm, I'm not in, imbibing any caffeine either. But, um, again, it's been You can like, just go for, like, a, an unsweetened latte. Yeah, but that's, like, what's the point, you know? Um, it's good. It tastes good. No, I, I know, but it's kind of... It's not like yes, there's no sugar in it, but it, that's it's not exactly healthy either. So why, if I'm not gonna enjoy it to the fullest, which is the sweet version, because I do enjoy sweet flavors, um, why put that into my body if it's just already like a at a discounted pl- amount of pleasure? I guess. 
Uh, maybe I'm. This is maybe maybe, this is an I, insane I way to like, think about life. And then, no, 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 not at all. I was just thinking like maybe it's just the ritual more than anything else. It's possible. Just like sit down in the morning doing a podcast, a hot drink in my hand. Maybe I'll microwave my seltzer water. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Boil it. You got tea, right? I do. Yeah, why don't I drink tea? I have tea. I have a kettle. Yeah. Yeah. Go make some tea right now. <laughs> All right, solo the podcast for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? Uh, isn't it quaint that we used to like our our hobby on the internet used to be laughing at uh, healthy at every size posts. Yeah. You remember that? I do. Yeah. Well, how is it quaint? Well, still because funny. I mean, now now there's it's it's still funny, but now there's so much more ridiculous stuff to laugh at. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, I, right. I know what you mean. Yeah, it makes like, sense. That used to be the most ridiculous thing ever. Right. That that fat people had confidence. And, yeah. Uh... <laughs> well, m- mostly, mostly what I got out of it was the the posts about the doctors. Right. Which still exist. Yeah. Don't. Yeah, they do. But uh, oh my god, my doctor asked my weight, <laughs> and I love the um, how do I put this? The wish fulfillment, the power fantasies. Where they write, well, my doctor asked my weight. I smiled and said, no, thank you. And they said, yeah. wow. <laughs> the entire staff comes in and starts clapping. <laughs> they, 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 they lift her up and start throwing her in the air. Which is amazing, she, given the, her size. <laughs> <laughs> she falls down to the ground and creates like a 40-foot a hole. Oh. <laughs> uh. I mean, large enough, she is a 40-foot hole. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. I, I can't even imagine. Like, there's... Uh, no, I'm not going to go into this. What? I don't wanna... Imagining being fat? Yeah. No, no, no. Just, like, imagining being, like, all up in, in one of those women. Oh, it's... Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking about how there's dudes who are, like, into that, but... Anyway. I mean, we, we talked about the degeneracy of men plenty of times. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, if there's guys that enjoy um, scuba diving and septic tanks, surely there's uh, people who enjoy a good marshmallow fluff. Right. Oh, they're definitely... The thing, the thing I don't understand is how they can get over the smell. That's a good question, because it's um, pungent. It's very pungent. God, it's awful. Uh, but yeah, on on that note, and speaking of things that are ridiculous, we we were talking off mic about about uh, the death of of former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Right, our, I think uh, I think it's Abe Shinzo. Father. Do you have an opinion on this? I know someone's been lying. <laughs> it's it's either Shinzo Abe or Abe Shinzo, and it's it can't be both. Abe Shinzo is 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 the Japanese order. Okay. Now, in, in Japan, do they also wear hats on their feet? Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Yeah, Abe Shinzo is the Japanese order. Okay. I've just... <laughs> I've never met anyone named Shinzo before. <laughs> I've met people named Abe. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sure you have. I'm not sure how relevant of a data point that is, but... <laughs> throwing it out there but yeah he's that he's dead he's died um via a homemade weapon (laughs) weapon 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 (laughs) 
very cool looking gun too. Yeah, that guy should feel proud of himself. Looks like uh, like an early access indie survival horror weapon. Real life has crafting now. Yeah. yeah wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, as expected, the Chinese, Korean, and thirteen-year-old um, Americans on Twitter are celebrating. Right, right, right. It's always nice when a man dies. Yeah, yeah, we loved that. Mm. Especially a guy who didn't really do anything that offensive except go to a, a a particular shrine once in a while. I think it's pronounced Shrine in Japanese. Shrine, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, you know, it is well documented that uh, uh, Shinzo Abe was not particularly a fan of Star Trek. So, um, all the world's better for his for his absence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that is what we say here. If if you don't like Star Trek, you might as well not even be living. That is my bumper sticker mm-hmm. that you quoted. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> no, let's 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 think of it. We got to think of like a rhyming tagline. Yeah, uh, don't don't like Trek. Then you are the black. I guess you're Drek. Uh, uh, don't like Trek? You're as small as a speck. <laughs> don't like Trek? Go to heck. Um, if you're not a Trekkie, fuck you, Becky. <laughs> there we go. That's pretty good. All right. Girls named Becky don't like Star Trek. That's right. So uh, we'll forward that to Teespring. Yeah. <laughs> Await that shirt. Patreon gets early access. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. So now that we're living in a post office society, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. It's, I found that phrase to be humorous. A post office yeah, this this is gonna be uh, this is gonna lead to World War Three, I think. You think so? You think he's on Franz Ferdinand level of importance? <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 Chinese will remain unchecked. Well, they start invading. It's you know when uh, an international came in and assassinated Ferdinand is really the same as when Japan a Japanese shot his own countrymen. Yeah, but you know you know what they're saying that he's a Korean plant or something. I. Don't think plants can operate guns. Well, Ant Ant Spiner was uh pretty nimble. That's true. That's true. Yeah, there are some of the more capable uh of our uh, fauna friends. No, fo- flora. <laughs> oh, God, our flora friends. Fauna. Fauna is more like animals, like um, like a wolverine. You like Wolverine's son? Oh, I ruined the question of the week. Well, I mean, it's just a question. It's not like a joke that you can ruin. <laughs> I thought we'd already done it. I I know that time is elastic for you, but... Uh, <laughs> why don't we get into the question of the week? So this week's question of the week comes from one Rosie Turnbull. Who asks, Hello, Admirals. Did any members of the cast have a green thumb? The Trek Plants 
community would really like to know. Shoutouts to the Trek Plants community. I don't know if you know this, but I was actually on the Trek Plants podcast about two and a half weeks ago. Oh, really? No, you didn't tell me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I told them about my growing fascination with cacti. And mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, how the cactus is the most wharf-like plant of them all. And, and they, no, I, I do tell. Well, it's quite spiny and difficult to approach, but it's it's nice to look at, and its presence would be missed if it was gone, despite the fact that it's, uh, you know, a little smaller and less flashy than some of its contemporaries. So, truly wharf-like. But uh, we, okay. had, we had a fun time on there. And uh, I invited them on. That's we're that's still in the talks. But if you're a fan of the Trek Plants podcast, member of that community, you're uh, you might have some good news in the future. Did but, you uh, did you talk about Kudzu? Did we talk about Kudzu? We did talk about Kudzu. We talked about Vine Lasher Kudzu, which is a um, a zero one for two. Is that like a? That sounds like a Mega Man guy. That's it's quite. It's like um, what is the? What, the names of the Mega Men guys got very strange. Yeah, Boomer Kuanger. <laughs> Is that a real one? Yeah. yeah. Hit me with some more. Uh, you know Duff McWhalen. All oh, right, that's the Guns N' Roses one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I can think of any like really, really good ones off the top of my head. Are these Mega Men? It was, it was, it was X. It was X where they got really weird. Um. Some of the Japanese ones are really funny, like like Ice Icy Penguigo. That sounds like a slur. <laughs> it's dangerously close to uh, an insult uh, for, for Italians. Oh, here's one: Spark Mandrill. Mm -hmm. uh, That's not that weird. Isn't? Is it? No. I mean, I know, it's, it's... I know, a mandrill is like a monkey. If you look at the Japanese name for it, it's probably silly, though. Sparkman Driller. Yeah, it's a little, a little sillier. Alright, Bubble Crab becomes Bubbly Crablos. <laughs> Alright, here's a good one. Um, Gravity Beetle becomes Gravity Beet Booed. Beet Booed? <laughs> Beet Booed. Alright. There's a lot of... I'm, I, I'm, I have to do a few yeah, more. Yeah, these rock. Um, so in English, Metal Shark Player. In Japanese, Metal Shark, one word now. Pr okay. Prayer. Prayer. <laughs> Alright, this one's good on both ends. Ride Borski. Hellride Inobuski. <laughs> now this one is where the Japanese dropped the ball, and this is the last one I'll do. Uh. Um, in English, bamboo pandemonium. It's a panda. Pandemonium. Okay. In Japanese, bamboo pandemonium. Like, it's just spelled correctly. Pandemonium? Yeah. So, uh, what the fuck? Whatever happened to, like, Cutman? Yeah, I don't know. They, they, they had to be edgier for, uh, for X. It was a more adult Mega Man. Not, not your, not that granny shit. I'm sorry. I mean, Rockman. Right, right. Yeah. That's why his companion's called Roll. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why his uh, antagonist is called Bass. Right. You know they they should have just called him Butterman. 
Oh my god, I gotta go off about this. Hold on. The other day, I ordered food from a place um, called Good Butter, Good Steak. Okay. And I don't know what I was expecting, but it was way too buttery. Like, I, I had difficulty eating it. I couldn't even finish all of it. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like so much butter sauce on a steak, on a bed of rice, and it was like offensively buttery. It's like, it's like eating oil, basically, right? Yeah, and it, the problem—that's gross. The problem was that the seasoning on the steak and like the—I don't know if they had a sauce, another sauce on the steak, but the steak seasoning, the way it was cooked, was very good. It was excellent, um, but it was just too buttery. And why is the whole yeah. restaurant themed around how buttery their steak is? It's called Good Butter, Good Steak? Yeah, it might be Good Steak, Good Butter, but it's one of those two. I'm trying to look it up. It's a real place, I assure you. It sounds like a farce, but but it's real. Um, so anyway, to answer your question, Rosie, because um, we're in the midst of our Question of the Week segment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Brent... Marina and Michael, I, th- I believe, all had varying degrees of uh, being a part-time gardener, or as Brent would put it, gardener. Um, mm-hmm. Brent, I think he was the most serious. He had that small bonsai tree, uh, which you alluded to earlier, and Spiner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really, it's more of a quadruplet situation now with um, uh, Brent, Trent, Kent, and Ent. Yeah, I mean, especially especially nowadays. Now the the tree has grown to roughly human size, right? And uh, through through Brent's uh, techniques, you might say, uh, it is 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 taken on a human form, mm. very much like uh, very much much like Groot, Groot tree beard, depending on your age, whichever one of those mm-hmm. resonates more with you. Um, uh, it can't talk yet though. No, he's still trying to figure that one out. I mean, Brent's training it. He's trying to, you know, give it... It's like a baby, you know, it babbles, and he's trying to guide its babbling. Um, right. I think the day that it calls him Papa, um, Brent will be ecstatic. He's very insistent on being called Papa and not Dada or Dad or, you know, whatever. Um, actually, I think it's Papa that he wants, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, maybe he finds Dadaism offensive. Why is that? Well, if he doesn't want to be called Dada. Oh right, right. It's too. It's too evocative of the uh, the bad memories, right? It's it's too it's too avant garde. <laughs> well, nobody wants to be known for um, their their one role that they've done, even if it sounds slightly different. <laughs> I think though, everyone else except for Patrick was just pretty ambivalent to the plant situation. Patrick was always the hamburglar of the group in that he would go around and just kind of ruin other people's plants. Um, but so far, Ent has been kept safe from, from Pat's stew. Uh, he was always the most important one, so. Right. He was... well, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming his gender. Yeah, We don't know what the tree's gender is yet. Well, Ent is a traditionally male name. Yeah, but I mean, it's it, we, haven't heard, we haven't heard the tree's opinion yet. Right. Now, if only we had a Lorax to speak for it. <laughs> is that what Loraxes do? Well, that's what he—that's what he says. Yeah, I am the Lorax. I speak for the trees. 
Is that what he said? I, 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 um, I don't know. This is Dr. Seuss, right? Don't you read? Aren't you well read? <laughs> Even you read the classics. <laughs> Bust out one fish, two fish. All right, hold on. I'm looking up the Lorax. Is there something called a Onceler? But yes, the Lorax speaks for the trees. Mm. Emerged from the slump of the truffula and voiced his disapproval both of the sacrifice of the tree and the thneed itself. The thneed? <laughs> <laughs> George Floyd discovers that George Floyd. Oh my god. <laughs> Never mind. Oh god, your mind is poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> Never mind. No, it's over. George Floyd. Just shoot me in the head. Every black man is George Floyd now. How long has it been? It's been like two years. <laughs> I wake up and the first thing I think of is George Floyd. <laughs> Just wake up the the word escaping your lips. Floyd. Floyd. Oh, buddy. Uh, well, if you're at home or like Rosie and you would like us to uh, answer your question of the week in quite the meandering fashion, you can send an email to room at gmail.com or tweet at room, And all those are with a capital T and two capital R's. And we'll handpick your great questions to answer. Um, so I know that you have a delicate constitution. Do you need to take a break? <laughs> yeah, we better. I gotta go uh, mess with the air conditioning. It's uh, I'm starting to sweat. Well, it's, you're like a like a pig in a hot room without air conditioning. <laughs> you, you fucking pig. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, healthy at every size, okay? I guess I'll take this opportunity to make that tea we were theorizing earlier. <laughs> there you go. All right, we'll be back after the break. All right, and we're back. Now we're, we're uh, back. We're back, and it's time for Star Trek mode. I wait. I do want to note that uh, we didn't touch on an even more important Japanese death. Oh yeah, which is uh, the uh, the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh. Ah, who was sent to the Shadow Realm while snorkeling. Do you think he was that, only like sixty something? Do you think that's any way to talk about a man's death? 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 S sense of the Shadow Realm? Yeah. He'd like it. He'd appreciate it. I thought the Shadow Realm didn't exist in, in Japanese Yu-Gi-Oh. It, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm knowledgeable enough about Yu-Gi-Oh to know that. I don't... Osmo, cultural Osmosis, I guess. That's, that's bizarre. C cultural Osmosis Jones. <laughs> It's the sequel where he inhabits the body of like a museum curator. He's more cultural. <laughs> it's like we a... gotta make our way up to the brain, Drix. Is that what Chris Rock sounds like? I don't know. I think you're confusing him with Kevin Hart. I think so too. I can't think of somebody less of a box office draw than Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's only sin is that he's tiny and annoying, which is a sin. I don't think he's annoying. I like him. I don't. I don't find him funny. I don't. I. Yeah. I, I find him, his him not being funny is more of a sin to me than his height or lack thereof. 
Oh, you would say that. <laughs> you but... know me, manlet defender. <laughs> um, no, I mean he he does kind of appeal to a broader audience, so I I can see uh, I can see not really caring for his kind of humor because it's not it's not particularly uh insightful or interesting or unique or novel or anything like that. Yet people eat it up. They do eat it up. Oh well, my! You know, people eat Carlos Mencia up. You know, that's true. And I, I don't know why, but YouTube recommended me old Steve Harvey stand-up clips. Mm-hmm. And I realized there's like a clip. You you don't you've never watched The Simpsons in your life, so you're not going to get this. But there's <laughs> there's a clip of Homer Simpson watching like a, a black stand-up comedian in the show, and mm. the comedian's just like doing these very hackneyed. You know, black people do this, and white people do this. And then Homer, yeah, yeah. Homer Simpson laughs, and he's like, oh, my God, we're so lame. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, that's the whole joke. But anyway, mm-hmm. Steve Harvey's stand-up is essentially just that. Like, that's that's the entirety of it. And it's, I don't know if it was revolutionary at the time or what, but um, it's, just, it's, it's very one-dimensional. Right, right. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, I've never watched uh, Steve Hardy, Har- Steve Hardy, Steve Harvey stand-ups. Uh, all, all I all I know is his uh, his family feud stint, where he he asks provocative questions and then gets the answer he wanted and stares at the camera. <laughs> right, right. What is the name for a, a male sexual organ? <laughs> and a woman's like, you want to put what <laughs> in my where? Oh Lord. There was a pretty good, I don't know if it was a tweet or something, but describing like the, the collapse of the universe um, as <laughs> Steve Steve Harvey reacts to somebody saying the word penis. <laughs> it's like, oh, he stares at the camera and like the walls of the studio come crushing in, forming a super massive black hole. <laughs> That's great. It is, it is always entertaining, though. I gotta say. It I never gets old for me. All right, rank. He's, he's found the perfect uh, the perfect niche loop, feedback loop. Rank the hosts of the Family Feud. Uh, who else was there? All right, so let me give you a comprehensive rundown. I know a lot about this. There's uh, Richard Dawson, not to be confused with Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawson was <laughs> was also the host of the fictional The Running Man uh, television show of the uh in the movie the same title the uh, korean show no 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 no. the one where uh, arnold schwarzenegger kills a bunch of professional wrestlers ah um maybe that's not so descriptive but anyway the richard dawson was the first one he kissed a lot of old ladies followed him up was ray combs and ray combs was on that weird version of the family feud where everything was in technicolor blue and there was like a big target in the middle of the okay yeah <laughs> yeah okay so after that, I believe was Louis Anderson, who's a big fat guy. Anyway, after him was Richard Carn, who is um, you might know as uh, Al from Home Improvement. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I do remember his his. Uh... Yeah, I remember Louis Anderson. I remember I remember him. He, despite his size being part of every size, was not very healthy. <laughs> Although. I, I don't know why. Maybe he died at the time, but 
I went back and watched his stand-up on Johnny Carson's show and um, yeah. on, on YouTube. Very funny, actually. Yeah, I've seen a few of his things, actually. Yeah, he is pretty funny. Surprisingly funny. Um, I mean, fat people have to be funny. Well, especially when all of his jokes are about how fucking fat he is, but he still that's, that's a, somehow manages to make it work. Some, I mean, most of the funniest comedians are just giant fucking fat people. It's true. Louis Anderson and uh, Anderson, but and, uh, they 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 all died prematurely. I don't know if I can call that a premature death. That's about what Whoa. that's about expected for people of that size. <laughs> I get no, yeah, I guess Louis Anderson lived for quite a while, but like I'm I'm talking like people who lived like for thirty years and then just right. croaked because they were so fat and just did so much cocaine. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a dire combination of uh, of traits. Mm. cocaine habit and and obesity but i do have to be fair louis anderson also is a quite a one-dimensional comedian um with his uh yeah stint but anyway um you see that uh yeah i'm not I mean, done with the family feud host okay all right, all right go, ahead, go ahead and then there's steve harvey now continue you forgot john o'hurley oh i did mr peterman <laughs> <laughs> why is that so funny I don't know. <laughs> you were just you were so excited to list them off and you forgot the guy right before Steve Harvey. <laughs> oh god. John O'Hurley is um I'm amazed that he's a real person. I know it's bizarre. He he, he does seem like computer generated. That and like just the his his work on Seinfeld was so um I don't know how to put this. It well, it's 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 so tangible and evocative. Tangible is a really good way to describe it. Um, it's it's so good that you cannot imagine that this guy is anything but this portrayal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's always making this like even in real life, he makes those like faces, right? Where he, where he's he's like always incredulous. <laughs> he's always reading for a coffee commercial about a slow roast. Uh, but I I guess to bring this back around. In terms of ranking, I mean, and, and here's the thing: I, I didn't watch enough of anything pre-Steve Harvey. Like I remember a few of them, but All right, well, do you want like, my it's ranking? It's only then? an episode here and there. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is what it was leading up to. <laughs> it, it, like, like best case scenario, I would have ranked them, and then you would have said, "Now ask me." <laughs> like, uh, like, like a clingy girlfriend. Oh God. <laughs> all right go ahead yeah let's hear the ranking all right so number one is richard dawson um straight up he uh, I, I, maybe you've seen him on the match game you ever watch the match game no oh god why 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 are you on this show um <laughs> the match game was great uh it had just a bunch of people who were ostensibly famous but maybe they weren't and they all just told the same penis joke over and over but i don't know richard <laughs> dawson's a funny guy um, he's charming, and he's good with the old women, which a lot of them were on the Family Feud. You love old women. I love old women, and I love people who love old women. My you love paisanos. Those old crones. Oh, I do. I have the crone handbook bags. in my uh, crone my... fever. <laughs> it's a real uh, crone's brew. But anyway, number two, um, there's uh, I have, should be up front here. There's a big power gap after Richard Dawson, but um, I put Louis Anderson and Steve Harvey on the same tier. 
um, mm. in that second tier. Probably Steve Harvey is uh, second. I, I am going. Um, I hate to admit it, really, but he is. He does tickle me on occasion, um, as does Louis Anderson. But I can always laugh at him just being so chronically fat that uh, <laughs> it's enjoyable. Now, then there's another large power gap, and I'll put John O'Hurley here out of, um, I don't know, out of respect, even though I out forgot, of respect, yeah. <laughs> forgot his existence. <laughs> then another power gap, and um, this is where we get Richard Karn, who is mm-hmm. just so forgettable. He was forgettable yeah. on Home Improvement, and even more yeah, so here. he's like here. the blandest person to ever be on TV. Right. Except for Ray Combs, who's at the very bottom, who is both bland and offensively bland like i cannot <laughs> cannot stand him and uh part of it is just i i the vomit inducing nature of the way the set was colored at the time and mm. how i can't divorce him from that so looking at ray combs just makes me somewhat ill or at least thinking yeah, about I, him. I don't i don't know anything about ray combs to be honest he's a guy he's a guy I'm looking. Yeah, he, he does look like I, I. I. I hate to. I hate to be like. Oh, like he looks like a milk toast white guy, but he does. Well, hold on. Here is um. I'm gonna send this to you, and the audience will never see it. Here's a picture uh, of him advertising the Family Feud, and he looks like a serial killer across the room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does. He does. Wow. It, just unhinged. Like the hinges have come off. <laughs> He looks. He looks very. I don't know. Like, like he shouldn't be in comedy. Someone put him back in his box once his stint on the Family Feud was over, and we never heard from him again. <laughs> he's, he's, legends stay, say he's still charging to this day. Oh, uh, I just a fun story about the Family Feud that I forgot. Um, apparently, Ray Combs the t- the ratings tanked so much that they fired him and replaced him with Richard Dawson, his predecessor. So, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, quote, quote, by all accounts, Combs was hurt by his dismissal from the show, and as the credits mm. began rolling at the end of his final episode, he immediately walked off the stage, went to his dressing room to get changed, left the CBS Television City facility without saying goodbye to anyone, got into his car, and drove straight home. Which is, uh... This guy died when he was 40 years old. Maybe he died of a broken heart. <laughs> Without the family feud, I'm nothing. Oh no, I think he killed himself. Oh. Yeah, he killed himself. <laughs> when? 96. Oh god. So he was fired in 93, he got divorced Ooh. in 95, and he killed there himself in 96. Yep, that's it. This family feud was everything to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> everyone else it was just like yeah i guess i'll do it why not this guy was like fucking family feud i need this <laughs> yeah, this is the, I, I, God, like game show hosts are such oh, they're so gay it's game show host always feels like a transient occupation you know right you're between real jobs so you host a game show right or you um you stall out and and do it forever like wayne brady and die a slow meaningless death you know, or you get like you know the, the, a guy like Alex Trebek, who's like actually charismatic and funny, and people just want you on the show so they can see you every day. Right, where you're basically just a celebrity, um, incidentally yeah. hosting a game show 
rather than <laughs> yeah. the nameless, faceless guy. That's uh, it's that like, it's it. like it's like people who tune into podcasts not for the subject matter, but just to hear someone talk. Right, someone specific talk. I just I his voice. I so ah uh. right, but, which is what our audience does. Oh, certainly, uh, obviously, because nobody cares about Star Trek, but. No, um, no, no. But they do care about us and our opinions on things. Yes. Now, I I don't know why I have so many, why I feel so compelled to write movies about people in dead-end, hopeless situations that uh, want to kill themselves. But I'm, I mean, it's probably just because you can relate. Yeah, yeah. But I'm really drawn to um, this idea of the, of the game show host who's really just a failure in life, but is <laughs> is, is is trotted out there to like, smile hold a microphone and flip numbers around on a, a screen or something um oh, you know what this this it reminds me of uh the uh well i mean he's basically a clown right yeah yeah where it, it, and it's like it's like when when you kind of transpose that sort of clown identity onto a job that's not a a, a circus carnival type type deal uh it starts to get really depressing really fast and the one that i think is always very close to home for uh, all of us uh, Japan adjacent white people is the uh, the the AL, ALT yeah teacher um who is who's expected to go out there and uh you you cease being a person <laughs> for some amount of hours of the day and yeah 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 just become a cartoon a character performance right so i i think uh, i think there's there's multiple uh, avenues you can take for this kind of uh, as as we said, a clown identity and, and how depressing it can be and how uh how how good of a depressing movie it can make. Well, okay, so I, what I'm picturing, and because I'm I'm forming this film in my head as we talk, is um there's several tiers of game show. You got prime time, daytime. So maybe this guy's hosting like a shitty daytime show and he goes home and he's eating his TV dinner and he's watching the prime time uh, game shows, and they have like the very charismatic host like an Alex Trebek again. Um, and he's like kind of flirting with the contestants and people are laughing at his jokes. And, um, you can tell that he's a much more confident guy, uh, running the show rather than trying to please people like, uh, like yeah. the protagonist is. And when I was thinking about this and I realized once it's like, okay, he's going to try to kill that guy. I essentially rewrote the film death to smoochie. <laughs> Which is a film that lives in my head, rent free. <laughs> well, you know what they say. You know, everything's already been done before, right? So you can only do it worse, right? Do you think? Uh, do you think like Doctor Phil ever has like existential crises? Well, they say that all therapists should get their own therapist, or like Maury. Yo, oh, definitely Maury. No, no, Maury is a um, a compassionless, soulless devil. <laughs> what other uh, Dr. Oz well he's a politician now so who knows of his his ability for <laughs> retrospection quite the pivot <laughs> he's, he's doing a great job isn't he I really enjoy I'm it. actually surprised he's not doing better but yeah sorry go ahead because um, he's running on the, the Republican ticket and mm -hmm. he, as always he had a bunch of people like calling his race and ethnicity into question as like a campaign tactic, mm. and it was like working. And uh, it's just like, what, what, what did you expect to happen? You, <laughs> you know Obama, right? Right? Yeah, the Kenyan or whatever it was. 
And Something you, like that. You have to shorten your name to Oz because it's some unpronounceable gobbledygook, and you think that... Right, what, what, what is he, Turkish? I think so. Um, <clears throat> yeah. That, that explains it's, it's, his seven faces. It's, <laughs> it's funny to me. He, you know, he can transform into a cockroach if you put like certain sunglasses on. <laughs> uh, it's funny to me that that he had to run on the Republican ticket because the only people staying at home are like conservative, like Mormon right. mothers with like seven kids. To, like the only people that watch his show. Well, he's he's spent years um hucking pseudoscience of varying yeah degrees. Oh, yeah, yes. So it's not there's not a lot of you know hip. 20-something Democrats that are going to vote for him. Right, right. I don't even... What is I, um, he running for? The state senator? Like, what? I don't remember what he's running for. I actually don't even know. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe this is, is all is a psyop and he's not actually running and we just didn't fact check. Uh, what is Dr. Oz running for? His life. He's running for Senate. He's running... Yeah, he's running for the Senate. Uh Oh, the... But it's still... Of a certain, like, a state elects a senator, right? What state is he? Yeah, that's that's how the Senate works. <laughs> yeah, Pennsylvania. Okay, okay. Pennsylvania. PA, huh? I would, I, you know, that shouldn't have even been a question we were asking, because anyone running for, like, the state government already had no prospects to begin with. <laughs> like, like, no one's going to go from, like, a very, like, a super famous TV show to fucking state politics. There was, um, one of the few... Honestly, funny things The Office has ever written was one of the characters starts dating a state senator and <laughs> introduces him as a senator. And just the comedy that comes from that. I uh, I don't remember this bit, but I've, I've seen the entire Office several times. I don't know why I don't remember this. But you have and you pretend that you're above it? Well, I am above it. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it's it, I, I watch it like a white girl. You know what I mean? Like I turn it on and like do something else. <laughs> you turn it on. It's like going back to Severance. You turn it on and just wake up eight hours later. <laughs> uh, the, the the first like three seasons of that show were okay. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna say that it's all terrible, but um, it just doesn't deserve to be somebody's personality. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm constantly disillusioned by how many people prefer the U.S. one over over the original. Well, which is you can't Pino. you can't pretend that a lot of these people have actually seen the other one. Yeah, I suppose. But at the same it's really, time, really good though. You do know that if a lot of these white girls did watch the U.K. one, their first um, feedback piece of feedback would be, "I don't understand what they're saying." Yeah, I know. Yeah, they don't understand. The accent, it's not quirky enough. Um, the the worst thing is the, the characters aren't likable. Yeah, that and that's it. The worst thing is is that it's it's really just it's a great reflection of having to work with a bunch of people you don't want to work with, which is every job. Right. Uh, so these women would watch it, and oh, and you know it's also a reflection of how meaningless your office job is, right? Mm. And girls who work, women who work in in these like middle management administrative office jobs they build their entire identity around this job <laughs> and if if you even so much as a hint that maybe what they're doing isn't even important in the grand scheme of let's say the world they start having a mental breakdown 
I feel like you've used this to your advantage. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't because they actually get offended about it. Uh, that's ever stopped you? No, it's it's not like it's not like faux faux uh, offense. You know what I mean? Like some girls would be like, "Oh, you're such an asshole." Huh? Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, like, I they they, they take no, real like offense. This, yeah, no, but like like it sends them into like a depression spiral. Again, you've capitalized on this before. No, I haven't. Hmm. Not like that. Maybe, maybe. M- maybe capitalizing on something someone else did to make the girl depressed. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. You now can, that's a moment that you I can show see up how I got confused. Right. I'm like, hey, and she's like, why are you here? I don't. Uh, I, you're not coming up. And then I stand there for another ten minutes, and she's like, okay. <laughs> it's a battle of attrition. <laughs> uh. <laughs> she wakes up the next morning and she starts crying. The worst thing like, is, this is, are, this is all a true story. Hear? Why are you here? <laughs> I you need to level up this tactic where you just knock on the doors of strangers with a bottle of vodka. <laughs> Attrition that one out. I'm I'm, honest, I'm sure I could get like a decent amount of people to let me in. Hey, you knock on my door, I'd let you in. Yeah. <laughs> like that like that uh Uber Eats driver. Yeah, but it, it this is like where it, goes completely south and it's like oh you know i've i have i've been knocking on doors with the goal of getting laid uh, i go up and now i just want to kill myself because this guy just keeps talking about all his fucking problems <laughs> this is like the start to a new cloverfield movie <laughs> i've always been on the hunt for the start of a new cloverfield <laughs> what a weird series of films that is yeah like the one where john goodman is imprisoning people <laughs> there's like no monster at all well you see john goodman right. was, was the monster and <laughs> there, there's something uniquely funny about john goodman being like a rapist <laughs> i think it's because he can barely speak <laughs> he's such and you ever hear the stories of him just being um just irreparably introverted like he can't fucking talk to oh, people no. yeah really he's apparently just so nervous all the time and uh which is weird because you think of him like dan roseanne whatever that guy's name is you big lumberjack dan roseanne dan roseanne after <laughs> pavel i'm dan roseanne <laughs> you know affable middle america fat guy and I, I just had to realize that he didn't really have a heart attack. That was just his character. But, um... You ever watch Roseanne? Uh, here and there. I didn't appreciate it back then. It's better than it than it really should be. Yeah. Yeah. John Goodman lost a lot of weight recently. Right. Probably because he realized that his life was hanging in the balance. Have you, have you seen, like, old pictures of him? Or, like, old commercials with him? Like, when he wasn't fat? <laughs> no. Like he was young and not fat? Spry? He was hot as hell. Jeez. You ever see um, that Talking Heads movie um, where John Goodman was like a singing cowboy? No. It's pretty good. Um, it's 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 like at the the beginning of the of the decline of Talking Heads fame, but it's a musical. John Goodman's the main character. I didn't know there was a Talking Heads movie. Yeah. Um, I actually kind of want to watch that. What is the name of it? It's something like Stories or... Um, yeah, I gotta look this up. I'm not gonna 
be able to sleep until I look it up. And God knows I want to take a nap in the middle of this podcast. Mm. I keep, the audience won't be able to sleep either. I keep doing this. I open up Uber Eats when I want to open up Spotify. <laughs> Muscle memory. Well, that, but they're the both... colors are the same. Yeah, both green and black. You know, that's, that's what they say. You should You should organize your apps by color because that's how you remember them. Yeah, but I just click on all the same ones. Um, you don't click, you, you tap. Oh, you know me, I'm old. <laughs> you, you got your mouse connected to your phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now that's a guy. Um, the name of the film <laughs> is True Stories. Okay, that's that's a really original title. Yeah, uh, especially for a fictional movie. I'm sure that performed well. Oh, you know it bombed. But it's it's not bad. Um, I think they actually did a review on it, which, if you want, oh, want some context, really? yeah. Um, I'll probably check that out at some point. Now, Got here's... a backlog yeah. of, like, 300 movies, so... Oh, you know, you'll get to that in a, in a week. Yeah, I guess, yeah, maybe you could. Uh, I gotta watch Citizen Kane, and On the Waterfront, and White Girls, White Chicks... Well, if, if you watch... <laughs> <laughs> Citizen Kane, White Chicks... <laughs> You know, Mean Girls. Hey, Mean Girls is a great movie. I say it that. It is a great movie. I don't know. Like, it's a good, but I find it impossible to take anybody seriously when they say that. Like, is it a great movie, or were you in high school when you watched it? And well, it... here's the issue. Here's the issue, okay? Mean Girls is a chick flick, right? Okay. So, when people say Mean Girls is a great movie, the implicit meaning of that is that it's a great movie within the framework of being a chick flick like okay. if my girlfriend is going to sit me down and say we're, we're going to watch what i want to watch today damn well better be mean girls than mean girls <laughs> yeah All right, which... now mean girls too doesn't exist well, it does exist unfortunately really? now is this yeah. is this also a tina fey joint no 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 this this was like you know like like all those other like low budget sequels to anything uh, it had no relation to the original, as far as I remember. I but I did watch it. I watched a lot of Thirty Rock, which Tina Fey had her finger in that pie. I'm sorry. I like Thirty Rock. I don't know if that's if that reflects poorly on me, but I do like it. I don't know if it's just because I'm a misogynist or what, but I can't stand Tina Fey's brand of humor at all. It might be your misogyny. It's I I, I feel the same it's like way. So wacky and like. Um, about I feel the same way, but I don't know if it's because I'm a racist, but I really do not like Tracy Morgan. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't like him either, actually. Uh, but again, that just might be my racism rearing its uh, ugly head. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've seen a few things from 30 Rock, and it's just kind of like, I don't know. It, it feels like Joss Whedon adjacent. I, I can't stand it. It's... It is, I, I, the thing is that, and I can, I can codify this pretty well. If you look at any individual line, it's like pretty qu qu quippy, you know, to make it that mm -hmm. Whedon-esque, but the whole show is more of a cartoon than anything else. So mm -hmm. it's not like a quip standing out in an otherwise action or serious scene. It's just rapid fire, stupid, silly jokes. Okay. Which makes it all work together more cohesively. Well, maybe I didn't give it a fair shake. Maybe I'll uh, I'll watch it again someday. There's a really good bit where one of the characters had a um 
they they were it's like an actress and one of her previous roles was on something <clears> called <throat> the rural juror of uh and the whole joke is just how difficult that is to pronounce <laughs> that's that is funny <laughs> that's that's funny uh anyway star trek right um i don't think tina fey was on star trek but you don't think so no but um suddenly human after all <laughs> suddenly human we got a bottle episode a uh a very female helmed bottle episode i might add written and directed by women oh i thought you were we have a... talking about the the characters like, no 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 we 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 have a directress <laughs> and, a, and, and a writress this time around, uh, which which might explain a lot of the shortcomings of this episode. Well, it really explains those scenes where um, all the female characters talk about their cycles for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was really put off by that. I wasn't really sure how it related to the plot until the very last scene where it all clicked together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Expertly crafted, really. Yes. Um... What did you think about this episode? It was uh it was an episode. It was a thing that happened. It was it had a good concept, decent execution, I guess. The thing that really bothered me, and this is actually something that bothered a lot of the audience cuz we got a ton of letters about it, was the ambiguity here it starts off with the assumption that this kid is being abused by his, yes. quote, captors. It turns out he's not, but it's never really clarified enough to convince the audience that uh, that that definitely wasn't the case. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, um, it's presented. First, you have the evidence of his medical history of, of, of injury. And when it's brought up to his surrogate father, he's like, oh, that's just... We walked into a door one time. Right, right, right. right. And, 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 you know, we're, we're four seasons... Th- uh, sorry, three seasons deep now. We've had plenty of episodes where aliens will come out of the ship and just lie their asses off, right? Right. You're, you're really predisposed to not trust what he's saying. Not because yeah. of a bias on your part, but also just because of how the show presents it. Um, yeah. And... Partly because of the performance too. It's it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes off as like, yeah, like he's trying. He comes. He acts like he's being kind of duplicitous. Right, and, and then he, he makes he makes these little faces and shit. All it amounts to is, well, I guess he was telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's never really said said like that. It's never really it, it, tangibly presented to us like, oh no, this kid wasn't being abused. We were wrong. I mean, at the end, Picard says he was wrong, but the, the the show still almost presents it like, yeah, you know, maybe he was being abused, and we just don't know. Right. The The moral is that, well, if he wanted to go back to abuse, then we will let him. <laughs> right, right, right. And that's obviously not the intention, but the way it's written is, it just is not conducive to, to uh, you know, t- telling the story they wanted to tell, the narrative. Uh, and, and then, you know, there's also the issue of the, the aliens not... And Michael Piller said this himself, I think. The aliens just were not alien enough. Right. They were just another another race of humans with ridges on their heads. Discount Klingons. Yeah. I actually noted that because not only in their appearance, but they're like, oh, you know, fighting and 
honor and war. you know um that's not the only thing that co- connects these guys to the klingons it's true it's always true um the episode what well, what is the race of aliens here Fool, you're gonna quiz. <laughs> We're not at the trivia portion of the show. <laughs> the ba- the, the Benar? The, no, 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 no. Benar is the uh, the ritual. Ah, oh, jeez. Um, Talarians. No, I do remember this because um, Talarian is very, very similar to Talaxian, which is what a Neelix is. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you remembered it that way. Um, yeah, so the Talarians. Yeah. Uh, back in the episode Heart of Glory, you remember this one where um, there were these like Klingons and Stasis that thought the war was still going on? Yes. They, they at the beginning of the episode, had commandeered a Talarian ship. Huh. Is the model so the same? It's, it's not the same model, but it, it has the same like logos on it, and it's kind of the same design philosophy. So... Um, the Talarians have existed for uh, since season one. Bullshit. How about that? I'm legitimately shocked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was like it was kind of like an okay episode. Usually, I'm like all four bottle episodes, and I, I was really pleasantly surprised that there was no um, no tick and clock really until the very end. But it just wasn't terribly. Interesting. It felt it. Yeah, it wasn't engaging. It felt like it was going over the same thing like three times. Mm. Very yeah. repetitive. Yeah, I overall didn't like it very much, and I think the worst part of the episode are the performances, um, particularly mm-hmm. of the kid. Yeah, who I thought was terrible. <laughs> I thought he was <laughs> awful. And really? Yeah. Um, the whole. It, there's just no nuance to the performance. It was like, oh, I'm not going to act like a normal human because I've been raised by wolves or whatever, so I'm just <laughs> going to speak in a very stilted manner for the entire episode. Oh, I didn't hate it. I don't know. But I am not... I don't I don't think I share your affinity for, for smaller-scale bottle episodes. Um, not without compelling character stuff. And like ostensibly, the well, idea but, but, the but, idea here is that's, Picard that's and and him uh, kind of grappling with his hatred of children. Which... The thing, the thing though is is bottle episodes usually necessitate the deeper character stuff, which is why I usually like them. You know, you got like Measure of a Man, for example. Sure, sure. Right? But if that ever doesn't work, then it's disastrous. Yeah, no, then it's off. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're right. And I don't think Picard really had demonstrable growth um, in interacting with children. No, and it's it's also something we've been over, you know what I mean? Um, a couple times, and I wasn't terribly fond of... Uh, I, don't even, I don't know if it was the writing or Patrick's performance. It, it probably wasn't Patrick's performance because he's no. a good actor. But the, the lines they had him say in his ready room with Troy, I was just like, this is just so so stupid. There was a funny line where, um, and Marina actually delivered this pretty well. Wow. Where, yeah, I know, right? He calls her in and he's like, I, I haven't been forthcoming about this, but I really just do not like children. And Troy just <laughs> stares at him and is like, really? And it was, it was, it gave me a good chuckle. Um, <laughs> although I will say that, um, 
Catherine Picard is very forthcoming about that. He, I think he told everybody this <laughs> in the very <laughs> first episode. Pretty much, yes. Yes, which is what annoyed me. It's like, get this on, kid off my this, bridge. We've beaten this horse to death. Well, get excited for it to pop up again when um, Picard is trapped in an elevator with three kids. Mm-hmm. Well, that, we, we have another Wesley episode coming up, too, so. Oh, we can't wait. Uh, what is the next? Oh, the next episode is a, is a Crusher episode, but not that Crusher. <laughs> but we got to talk about this week's episode. Uh, yeah. I don't really want to. Well, let's just let's just get come on. Let's just we'll 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 you talk about the we'll family feud it. some more. We'll we'll go through it. Uh, we'll go through it quick and get back to talking about um, other other television. All right. Um, so Enterprise Sorry. responding to a distress call. Right, and they throw out this plot point, not a plot point, this detail that uh, it might be a trap. This is a uh, <laughs> a, a race that regularly just sends out distress calls to lure in ships that will help them and then blow them the fuck up. Yeah. Which really and doesn't um, help the the guy's image of saying that he didn't abuse his son. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> They're just, uh, just run-of-the-mill terrorists, I guess. Preying on uh, the good Samaritans of the world. But nothing comes of that. That's like kind of... It's like a two-minute... Right. dialogue exchange and it goes nowhere obviously Picard says I don't give a shit we're gonna help them I'm a good guy and uh, Riker says away team he, well all... Riker gives Worf a meaningful look and, and Worf knows what that means I mean and follows him off the bridge as we established in the episode where Picard and a few other silly looking aliens were all kidnapped the Enterprise crew can communicate entirely through gestures and, and meaningful looks yeah you're right you're right you're right. I forgot about that. <laughs> a little bit of continuity there for you. Yeah. So they really they never have to talk again if they have the mind the collective mind meld going on. Yeah, yeah, we could we could have some silent film action, a little slapstick. Right. And then uh the away team goes over to the ship and they're investigating the injured crew and Crusher says, "Oh, this one's human." To which I said, I thought they were all human. <laughs> she, yeah, she calls them like teenagers. It's like, well, an alien species, can you really assume? Right. It's like, it's a bunch uh, of kids. And you don't really see any goats anywhere. But um, Nice, nice. Yeah, thank you. This is uh, also, I think, the first time that um, she says she's prepping people. Right. To, uh, to, be, to be transported. And yeah, um, I didn't think you could show that on television at the time. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But you so know, I was, I was surprised. CC. So they go back, and this is where um, I, I got to quote Michael here. Hold on, let me bring up my notes. I wrote this down. I remember this very well. Uh, in this scene where they're all beamed back in the hospital, they do what Michael called the retard wailing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was really proud of us for working that into the script. Because um, he said, you know, sometimes other cultures are retarded. <laughs> Which is, yeah. you know, just some Trek diversity, as always. It is, it is. Uh, it's it's uniquely beautiful. And, um, you know, obviously that actually came as a suggestion from him, that, that, that whole scene. Uh, it was a pretty late edition of the script, so I don't... 
I think we were all kind of worried whether or not it would end up working. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, he'd, he'd suggested that to to the writers based on an experience he'd um, he'd recently at the time had in the movie theater um, where a, a whole special ed class came in uh, to, to to watch to watch the movie. Right, I remember and, uh, they were watching the never-ending story, and when that uh, that horse sank into the into the mm, swamp, that's they all yep. started this kind of the the rocking back and forth. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, in particular, the screaming. Now, I do remember from what he said, the screaming would eventually stop, but they wouldn't stop rocking back and forth until they had to leave. After that, nowadays we know that's stimming, but we didn't have such an advanced vocabulary at the time. Now, right. do, you, do you remember the prank that the the actors played the ones who were uh, playing these kids? Oh, what happened? I guess you must have been in the bathroom at that time. But we, when we were first filming the scene, they all decided to harmonize perfectly with their whales, um, mm-hmm. and it got to the point where it shattered some of the glass on set. Oh wow! Yeah, that's dedication. Right. So we had that's to tell like a skill. It is. It is. I. I. They might have. We might have gotten them from an acapella group. I'm not sure, but. Um, or an archipelago, really. But they, um, we had to tell them to be more dissonant, like actual retards, who, as we all know, are tone deaf. Yeah. And, uh, that's what we got in the, in the final cut. So if it's abrasive to your ears, just know that's by design. If this was just, I don't know, 10 years later, we could have had an entire acapella thing, uh, Sony the Cute Girl. That's right. That's right. That, that would have been their morning song. <laughs> tell me why <laughs> i'm stuck here as a virgin with rage speaking of um you know stimming and retards and autism and all that <laughs> the the human character starts freaking out when people ask him to remove his favorite gloves yeah 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 i found this a little trite and stupid um trite eventually and it comes stupid. out that <laughs> eventually it comes out that he doesn't remove his gloves because he doesn't want to touch aliens yeah which just... is i feel one of the laziest ways you can possibly show that a character has disdain for other races yes um it was just bizarre because the way it's described is that Troy asks him to remove his gloves, which prompts him to start getting violent. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, the the technician or the doctor tried to remove his gloves. Something by force, where the escalation would make sense. But you're right that it's just incredibly lazy writing for a lot of reasons. Well, it also turns out, and this might be why he got so so violent, uh, it turns out that the Talarians don't respect women. Right. Which um, w- would not be abide. It's, it's also completely not completely, but you know, almost almost completely uh, uh, irrelevant to this episode. Mm. <laughs> really, um, and, and a lot of it was, you know, you also have, uh, you know, when, when you have Worf take him to his room, Worf has the uh, the now famous line, uh, among humans, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the the females can do anything the males can do or whatever, right? The females can achieve anything the males can. So as a misogynist, how do you feel about that line? Well, um, I mean, this wasn't really... I mean, maybe the writers were, were, were kind of in on this, but 
this was more of a more of a studio mandate than anything else. Okay. Um, I remember, I remember the producers talking about this. There was some kind of like a, a campaign to kind of increase the number of issues on the show that dealt with gender equality. Um, well, we and we, what we had similar campaigns before. I mean, you remember the the Black Trek excellence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that actually mattered. <laughs> but this, this, I think. What we ended up doing was really just front loading all the episodes with this stuff. Okay. So you'll you'll see you'll see like <clears throat> all of the gender inclusion stuff is gonna come within the first ten minutes or so. Um just, just because we we knew that no one with a job that mattered would end up watching the show past that point. Hmm. So after that, you know, we could kind of do what we wanted. Uh so that's that's kind of the genesis of all this. Um there's no reason for there's no reason for this kid to hate women that much. <laughs> Except, except for Troy to not be able to do the job that she can't do anyway, I guess. Oh, I thought you were going to say except for him being human. <laughs> it is, I mean, whatever. It's like... I, you know, I'm trying to grapple with this line right now. Females can achieve anything the males can. And that's not really true, is it? No. That's just demonstrably not true. Well, I mean, in in today's polite society with uh, transitions, maybe it is. Maybe it is. <laughs> now, I I would have enjoyed more exploration of, um, because at some point, what is this guy's name? Jacob Jono. Jono. Jono says to Worf, um, "I'm not human, and neither are you." Yeah. I would have enjoyed more of that, um, kind of calling out Worf's, um. I don't know, alignment history. Yeah, yeah, that would have been interesting. Actually, yeah, you're right. Because there's an actual, you know, both of them are of one species, race raised by another, and yeah, um, it's it's a similar deal. Yeah, Worf is somebody who, despite that, embraces his Klingon heritage extremely, and has um, rationalized it in the context of his upbringing, whereas uh, Jono is somebody who's struggling with that and is very against it. So sure. change this from like a Picard story to a Worf story, and you have something very, very compelling. That's great. Yeah, wow. I didn't even think about that. That's way better. Right? My but, God. But no, we need um, Patrick telling this kid to turn down his rock music and uh, well, <laughs> tell them to go to bed. So the thing that kicks this off is that they they Picard calls a meeting, um, because they're about to, yeah, I don't know, what are they, a few hours away from from rendezvousing with the the Talarian ship, mm. and they have already kind of decided because Doctor Crusher says, oh, it looks like this this boy's been abused, um, that we have this very clumsy, uh, call out to Stockholm syndrome, which she says was discovered like many hundred years ago and it's like we don't talk about anything like that we don't say like oh uh liver disease which was discovered in the year 1635 you know what i mean that didn't stick like, out I, to me at the time but you're completely right I, I have lung cancer which was discovered and um i i found that insulting <laughs> you know what i mean uh he died of an of an old uh, you know, 16th century <laughs> disease called cancer. Yeah, it's like 
<laughs> Shut the fuck up. How does... I, I, how do, how know, do I'm, people I'm about... think that this is a smartly written show? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Well, when they do stuff like this, yeah. It's like, when they make call... If if you don't know what Stockholm Syndrome is, like, as, as a member of the audience, and they say, oh, yeah, Stockholm Syndrome, you're probably already drooling and just, like, staring at the wall anyway. So you know, you're not going to really care. You know what I mean? Right. The thing is, if somebody's that dumb, they could be like, oh, it's an old 20th century uh, <laughs> mental condition, and they'll be like, the 20th century? Wow, that's far into the future. <laughs> Yeah, it's just. Oh god, that gets me so bad. I, I wish I I wasn't also retarded so I could articulate why it's so terrible. But well, the show um, I think what makes it offensive is the presence of techno babble, which is something that is generally done thoughtfully with consultants to yeah, write sure, something sure, that sure. makes sense. There's a clear effort in the script to write or at least appear smart. In, in, in yeah, Palestine. yeah. Well, you know, they they have they, they have like they, there were science consultants and stuff, right? Who would contribute to making sure that stuff sounded so at least remotely true. In, in the realm of science, they go through great pains. In the realms of basic human interaction and um, and uh, traits, I don't know, just being a normal human, they fumble the ball every fucking time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they're if it's just so much more like medical. Medical conditions and mental conditions are just so much more relatable that they they use that they use that time to kind of sell. Oh, this is the future. You know what I mean? Right. But it doesn't work ever. Um, anyway, we we have Picard calls a meeting, and I don't think I've ever laughed this hard at a line in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um. Where Troy says, I don't think I can do anything, Cats, <laughs> about her job. Like, her literal job. There has never been a point in any episode where her job has been more crucial than now. And there's and not she a goddamn says, thing. I don't think I can do, do anything. <laughs> you got, it's important to know your limits. That's what I've always been told. <laughs> oh, counselor. Just, what? I want Crusher I mean, to break that one out. Someone's like dying, bleeding out on the surface, and they like, uh, Dr. Crusher, come in. Like, I don't think there's anything I can do. Later. She's, no, she's done that before. Well, then. What is this about? <laughs> she's, she's done that before. These, these women and their general incompetence. I don't know. I don't know. I, I was told that they can achieve anything males can. So. I was told by a very reliable source. <laughs> By, by a very dashing Klingon. That's the thing. Like, it's so... I, people... It's nice to praise Star Trek for forward thinking and diversity, but it's so ham-fisted. Like, a character literally says, women can achieve anything that men can. Like, that's what mm. you want? That's that's the type of progressive writing you want? Where characters well, just I mean, speak out and affirm your values uh, without any subtlety? Edgy. I, then it was remotely edgy. I guess. I guess. Which which is what matters. I mean, it it really doesn't bother me because it was it was I'm not going to say counterculture, but it was still fairly edgy for for you know this this guy from like a warrior race to be like yeah you know I I I do respect women that you know are are ranked higher than me. 
you know what I mean? Hmm. And it's like, it's like, well, you know, I guess you should if we're going to have like a society where both both the sexes are working, you know, in the same fields. And you can't just relegate one to a slave class. You know what I mean? Um, the issue with New Trek is that it's literally just and we've probably talked about this ad nauseum. I don't know if we've done it on mic or off, but you have Picard basically just going back to like the BLM riots and being like, this is terrible. <laughs> You know what I mean? The thing is, though, I mean, I guess in the latter case, it's not, it's not edgy in any way. It it is just literally affirming yeah, it's preaching. The, it's preaching, right? It's, it's to the choir, so to speak. Because yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The target audience are people who agree with it, whereas Trek TNG on primetime television in the eighties was probably watched by a lot of people who didn't necessarily hold that view. So. And you know it, it probably changed. It probably changed a lot of people's minds too on certain things because the issues it presents are mostly allegorical, right? You know, so when when someone who who holds a certain political opinion watches it and they're like, "Hey, you know what? That's not right. You know, why they do that to this this person or this race?" and and then they think, "Oh, wait a minute. That's kind of what's happening now." Mm. I'm sure it changed a decent amount of minds on certain topics, and that's how you do it, like <laughs> without shoving it down people's throats. Yeah, but like you said, nowadays the audience is such that, and that's why the audience is like that because it's it's constant preaching. Mm. Yeah, when you when you have Picard literally entering the the same issue that we have today in real life, people yeah dealing with ice. <laughs> yeah, people who hold whatever opinion very strongly are not um, asked to re-examine it because it's presented it it's presented in a way that they've already thought about it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The same exact context. Right. Turning it into an allegory um, kind of lets it infiltrate the mind of somebody who is otherwise set in their ways. And, and then then it challenges them once they've let that guard down and now are Absolutely. confronted with it. Which is, yeah. if your goal is to change somebody's mind, that's smarter. Uh, it's a better way to do it. But it's also just a more elegant way to write um, a show. Because even if it ends up affirming your belief like you you're somebody who believes in uh gender equality and you see this or whatever um thinking about it in a new context can still be rewarding yeah there's there's that too and and it also affords anyone no matter what you think the ability to just disengage politically from it and just watch it as a show right as as a form of entertainment so you can t you can take it from multiple directions well everything's political <laughs> <laughs> so i mean right now we are contending with this very clumsy line females can achieve anything the males can i mean in the context of like you know professional like working on a starship yeah i guess that's true mm. but in it's, the, it in, is a, it's a clumsy line in the context of like hewing stone maybe not right 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 it's, it's just i think it's just a clumsy line it is but i i do look more favorably on it with the context of putting it on 80s primetime television like right. yes uh, that's fair so yeah. uh, i'm a little i soften up uh, to it. <laughs> jeez i'm i'm the one talking you down from this that's rare yeah i i mean noted uh uh gender equality supporter brandon hobbs here brandon hobbs yeah Oh, geez, where were we? Okay, yeah, they, they have the meeting, and, and Troy says, no, you have to do it. 
Right, to the to the captain, to Picard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Picard is uh he's very apprehensive because the this guy is um you know, under eighteen and Picard might find himself accidentally engaging in sexual relations with him, which is why he always tries to keep his distance. Mm-hmm. He says, Oh, I don't do well around children. My hands just move on their own. <laughs> uh, he goes and talks to him, right? And um, I guess he's the only one. I don't know. He's he's the only one that that Jono responds to. Right. It's established that the, their culture, Talarian culture, has a very uh, clear respect for the chain of command. And once yeah. once he hears Picard referred to as the captain, he defers to him immediately. Mm-hmm. Which is uh nice, I guess. I, I I mean I guess it makes sense, but um, to me, well, I, when going back to that scene with Worf, because we're gonna be stuck here for twenty minutes, um, <laughs> the the scene kind of ends when um, what's his face, Jabo, Jono, Jono, Jacob, Jono, Jono, <laughs> Jabba, <laughs> is confronted with the fact that the the woman is the head of of the chain of command she's an admiral and it's not really resolved what his uh, what his opinion is on that oh his grandmother right 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 the yeah. admiral sends a message and it's his grandmother and she's just kind of reaching out to him as a as Connaught a... rosa <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that Connaught. but the clear um implication is well what does he do does he disrespect her and not follow orders because she's a woman or does he defer to the chain of command that he clearly um has respect for because uh, she's an admiral and that question's kind of left hanging and uh, maybe it's better best left not explored but it's an interesting thing to think about what his well that was actually a good scene too because it's like you can see kind of his uh <clears throat> emotional conflict where i mean his grandmother's an admiral uh, whereas the guy he idolizes is just the captain, right? Right. Picard also so is like, just the captain. So yeah. So really, I mean, his his bloodline, his his real bloodline is actually a higher status than his adoptive father. Well, if he's just a, um, a climb in the corporate ladder kind of guy, then the choice is clear. <laughs> Well, but 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 for a race that really like uh, values this kind of stuff, it's it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, right? yeah, so. definitely. Um, not a lot of attention is paid to that, but it is the no. unspoken implication. Yeah, which I guess is what an implication is. <laughs> <laughs> the spoken implication. Uh. Just a guy, yeah, anyway. a guy who verbally implies things, just like oh, <laughs> oh, I, I'm implying that that you are the one who stole You're that money. You're a dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah, a guy, guy who who can't imply. Like if if there are any implications, he has to state them. <laughs> guy who speaks like a green text. He's basically basically like a like a like a protocol droid for autists. 
You're you're bleeding Star Wars into the Star Trek podcast. Sorry, sorry. He's Data. Oh, there we go. We have one of those Data moments later on. We do, we do. But but I, I there we want to we want to go a little little a uh, little linear here because if we don't, then we're gonna finish this in five minutes. Are you are you implying Which... that not much happens? I know, I know that's what we want to do, but this is ostensibly a Star Trek podcast. Can we talk about the family feud for another hour? <laughs> so Picard goes and visits Jono for the first time in his quarters. He tells them to stop screaming like an autist. Um, yeah, Picard's not very tolerant of other cultures here. No, not at all, which is bizarre. Right. He's like, stop the fuck up. <laughs> I don't want to hear any of that garbage. It's like, oh, dude, holy shit. I mean, that's the whole crux of the episode, is that everybody acts out of character, doesn't respect the, <laughs> the this person, their wants, their culture, or anything. And then right. the arc is that they learn how to be themselves from... Again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. God, this episode actually kind of sucks. You're it, right. It does. Uh and he doesn't really make any headway. That's when he calls Troy into his ready room. They have the conversation. Oh, I'm not very good with children. There's no fish in the tank. Um, <laughs> it's just bad on all fronts. <laughs> he he takes Jono to his... Jono says, I've always lived with my captain. And and Picard seems to take the implication... He, he takes this as, I've always slept in the same bed as my captain or something. Because he takes him to his, his own room. Right. Um, which is probably Creepy. unnecessary. Yeah. And he's like, see, there's nothing you would like here. And then he starts touching everything. Yeah, that, and, um, that was problematic. The, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the Doc Tog on, on Picard's desk, that was, actually was not supposed to be touched. Um, it was on loan from a Klingon museum, if you remember. Um, oh, I did. And, and the idea to play with it, that was a bit of improv on, um, on Chad's part. Chad, the, the, the actor who played Jono. I, mean, um, I respect and, and the, the craft, but yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, you know, Sheeta and everything. The the producers were not happy, and um, after this episode, they uh, they actually sentenced him to be sold to CBS to to live out the rest of his foreseeable career on Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman. They owned him, which is a uh, you know a a fate worse than hell, really. You ever watch that show? No, uh, it had woman in the title. <laughs> so I was afraid for my yeah. levels if I were to ever see it. They, they, one of the funniest things about that show was that by like season five or something, um, the the studio or the network or someone had realized that uh, while the target demographic was like young adults, uh -huh. the only people watching the show were like forty year old women. Hmm. And so, in the next season, they just decided to kill everyone. Kind of base to try to like to try to like get get like some some edginess to it, and like try to get like kids to watch it. I don't know. I'm kind of into this. Just but they did like none of the kids watched it. Oh, it, it's a fickle audience. The um, the teenage demographic. Yeah. Sometimes all they want to do is fidget spin, and sometimes they want you know deaths on mass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh, like Sri Lanka. Yeah, where they just go shit on, on, on everything. Sometimes they floss, sometimes they call for genocide. 
You ever um, White genocide. think why there's no H in the Sri of Sri Lanka? Well, you know, that that would that would kind of beg the question uh, across the names of multiple countries, wouldn't it? Go on. Well, you know, like... Uh... Yeah, you got nothing. You got nothing. <laughs> There's something. There's something. There's got to be something. Uh, quick aside, I've been fast, morbidly fascinated with morbidly the... Obese. I've been morbidly <laughs> obese. Morbidly <laughs> obese. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. With the, um, the Animaniacs Countries of the World song. Okay. I, I watched it, like, a few times over the past week. And, um... I don't know why, but I find it fascinating. <laughs> I'm on a morbid scale. <laughs> uh, I, have you ever heard this? A long time ago, yeah, but I don't remember it. It's it's just a pretty good vocal performance from the guy. I don't know his name, but it's good. And then I saw the sad the weirdest thing you've ever told me. Then I saw the saddest thing in the world. There was another video of him just sitting on a stool in like a coffee shop or, or a cafe no. or something. And he's doing like a like a, a fan QA or meet and greet. And somebody mm -hmm. had asked him to sing the song. And this is like decades after the show had been ta taped, you know, recorded, aired. And um, he's there. He's in this small cafe surrounded by a bunch of like aging, aging fans and he sings the entire song. He knows it verbatim. Um, his performance... Like his is, legacy? Yeah, his performance is still crisp, as if he's been practicing this. And um, <laughs> the fans, like the the, the rotund, uh, balding group before him, start clapping along, but they're, like, clapping out of time, and they can't really... Mm -hmm. I, think, I think the tempo speeds up at some point, and they just really struggle with that. And um, it's just the saddest sight the end again the framing of the video is just him in the center of the frame on a stool with like uh, very small in the frame so you just see emptiness around this man and um it's just it's just sad it's sad i don't know if there's a much sadder phrase than than animaniacs fan <laughs> yeah yeah i i don't have much of a recollection of that show other than that ex it existed um, i mean it was like it was funny it was edgy i guess but not edgy enough but it didn't have much of an identity short of being edgy like it's not like the other cartoons and that was really it well it was it was no it was no ren and stimpy either you know what i mean that had that was that had more of a vision i believe um yeah 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 like it every episode felt um, like it was drawn by the same hand, not the literal drawings, but the, the the conceit of it. And Animaniacs just was too off the wall to really feel like mm. it, like it again, like it had a vision, which it it didn't. It was it was like Looney Tunes meets social commentary, but they both kind of diluted each other. Right. Sometimes you know you have something that has meaning to it and then other times it literally is just a song about the countries of the world um <laughs> or the state capitals or whatever and there's just no bite to any of that except you throw in yeah. peppers little flakes of something meaningful in the other 40 percent of, of that episode and it's like well, what am i here for 
this is just a show for children with nothing really inviting more to it which is fine yeah they they they, they, they should have done like a wonder shows and thing where where they make racist remarks through uh throughout the song well they want us if they want the the us audience then yes but um, <laughs> it's uh that's all well and good until again you revisit the concept of the 35 year old animaniacs fan <laughs> He's like, oh boy, the guy who played Yakko is gonna be at my local coffee shop. I gotta go see this. Maybe he'll yeah, sing like, the song. What the fuck? Unreal. Like, I think I think this really became a problem in the '80s. Like that was where it started, because that's where you get like the people who like into adulthood were obsessed with like He-Man, like Master of the Universe. Yeah. Like Thundercats. Which, it's strange to me that this started so early when the idea of um, accepting these people and their interests blossomed much later. Way uh, later. Yeah, it's like, now it's, oh, don't don't, uh, don't bully other people. I put away childish things like caring what yeah. others think about me <laughs> right that's why i wear a big diaper and, and poop myself in the middle of starbucks right it's just in the 80s those people came to came of age despite all the hatred thrown at them now without without that in existence people are just letting yeah, it loose. No, they're, they're they're it's unhealthy for like you need a certain amount of like all right, I, I know when when and where to to not talk about this stuff, or like bring it up. An awareness, an awareness, and a society that's checking you, um, mm -hmm. into some amount of a, a mold. Like, because well, I mean, you sh you should be somewhat embarrassed for owning a bunch of He-Man action figures that you you play with on Castle Grayskull on the weekends. Right. It's you know like, what I mean? As as an adult, maybe you do it. I, I certainly have like hobbies or interests that i'm yeah we, we all do like weird shit yeah do, do you think i just roll into any group of people and start talking about star trek like no because that's right. fucking embarrassing no one's gonna right. no one gives a shit about star trek you just keep it to situations where you know it's acceptable to to talk about but yeah you don't it's not your identity it doesn't consume you because you have a bunch of other facets of your multifaceted life that uh, can come out when the situation allows them to things that are more but, normal. But now, now it now it does consume these people, right? Now it's like I'm part of the Star Trek fan base. Fandom, fandom. Sorry, fandom. I'm, you're right. I, nothing gave me more of like a um a, a sense of existential vertigo than seeing people say like a question like, "Oh, what fandoms are are you a part? What are your fandoms?" Yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As if it's <laughs> it's like a new astrology sign. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Like that's supposed to tell me anything about your personality except you're insufferable. Right. Like oh, I, so, I, so... I, I spend a lot of my time imagining what would happen if Benedict Cumberbatch kissed the guy from Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's like now fandoms are basically well, not only are they substitutes for personalities, they're they're people who view these franchises as living, breathing worlds, independent of the people who create them, basically, uh, or or anything else, really. And so, any any amount of criticism you levy at at the new installments of them, you know, particularly Star Trek, we're talking about here, 
uh, are met with just fierce autistic rage. Right, right. It's because you're not a true fan if if you don't just blindly eat it up. It's literally Patrick Stewart. How do you not like it? It's right. the guy. <laughs> yeah, he's there. He's he's on screen. He's he, you should clap. Because what I really liked about TNG was not um, the performance that Patrick was capable of giving decades earlier in his life, but just seeing his face and his bone structure in a way that's <laughs> unmistakably him. <laughs> oh, God. We went on quite the tangent here. Yes. Um, we're trying to do anything we can to not talk about this episode. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, so okay, then Picard goes and uh, he's he goes back to this kid's room and he's like playing like hardcore metal or something. Yeah, uh, it's it's a really unique type of music and it wasn't quite the vision that we had in, initially. Um, mm. First, we wanted more of like a new wave kind of Oingo Boingo thing. We actually reached out to to Danny Elfman, member mm. principal writer of Oingo Boingo and uh, many film scores and such, but. Because uh, we wanted his brand uh, of weirdness. Yeah. We felt that he could really deliver, but we did some more digging, just make sure that we weren't hooking up with somebody unsavory, and we found the, that song about little girls and you know his interest in them, and the producers vetoed it. Well, that's the thing. The, the, yeah, and, and that's, the, that's kind of on the editors, too, because they're the ones who cut that song into that scene just as like a demo. Right. And Where you know Picard walks in and is like, Ah, oh, uh, I love little girls. You know, and, and they were just kind of jealous for how upfront he was able to be. And they're like, we don't want to work mm -hmm. with this guy. It's yeah, yeah. You keep it on the DL. That's that was the well, rule now, in nowadays, Hollywood at the time. Nowadays, you might call them seething roasties. Indeed. You know, we didn't have access to that lingo. No, no that we, lingo bingo. No, we just instead we referred to them as average women. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh yeah Pic picard says turn this trash off this what? is disgusting i don't give a shit about your culture <laughs> he's like foaming at the mouth now put on 19th century <laughs> classical music yeah right <laughs> it's like someone's fucking grandfather when they're listening to rap music right it's you ever um, see that um i forget what it's a music video for i think it's it's megadeth where um no, no, it's it's Michael Jackson. Maybe that's a different music video, but it's it's uh, black or white, where there's like Macaulay Culkin and he's listening to to oh, no. music, and his his fat old father comes in and he's like, "Oh, turn this crap off!" And Macaulay yeah. Culkin like takes a big old speaker and brings it into the room where his dad's reclining on like a lazy boy, and then he comes back out with a guitar and he's like, he's dressed like a rock star, and he like strums a power chord. And it just sends his father's easy chair up through the roof into space. <laughs> and it crashes back down in Africa where a bunch of uh, dancers begin to dance. And the, and the Michael Jackson song begins wow. playing. That's like, that's like hell for this guy. Crash landing <laughs> in Africa. <laughs> was, was, this, uh, was this before or after uh, Matt Culkin got molested? Um, well, this was black or white. And... Uh, Mac looked, he still had that spark in his eye, so I would say before. Yeah, he wasn't doing drugs yet. No, no, he didn't, um, he didn't do whatever he did to stagnate his appearance to where he looks like a 40-year-old abortion. 
<laughs> I, uh, yeah, God, I, I think about this guy. He impregnated Brenda's song. I can't. It's just, it's not fair. Now, is it, is it not fair because you wanted to impregnate Brenda's song or because you wanted to carry Max's child? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll leave that up to the audience's imagination. <laughs> so the music, Picard's there. He's like, turn this shit off. And um, he does. And this guy's like, you don't let me do anything. You don't let me listen to my shitty music. You don't let me scream like a retard. <laughs> You're not my yeah, real yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Picard shows him pictures of his family. Not not Picard's family, the child's family. <laughs> <laughs> this is my ordinary older brother. <laughs> and my nephew uncle. <laughs> Picard. <laughs> Picard just starts using Jono as like an impromptu therapist. <laughs> he never liked technology, you know. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, that happens, and Picard leaves because he has to go to the bridge. Because the ship and, is uh, uh, approaching. Because the ship's coming. Mm. Yeah, and and Jono is ordered to stay there, and he looks at the picture and starts having uh, flashbacks. I guess. Nom. Very, yeah. Yeah. Very kind of just stupid little flashbacks. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's weird because it's not. I don't really buy that he would have that kind of PTSD where it's um, yeah. hallucination and flash, fl excuse me, flashback, um, mm -hmm. rather than more just an unpleasant memory. Yeah, sure, sure. Because it is. Well, I don't know. He's depicted really, as like I mean, clutching his head, and um, as, as the sounds that's extreme. Yeah, yeah. I mean, trauma. Trauma definitely works in weird ways, but I don't know about like clutching your head like you have a fucking migraine and falling onto the floor right that's a little extreme that's kind of, that's just for the visual so the audience the stupid audience knows that oh something's wrong not not everything is as it seems he's not having a good time so um, somebody help yeah. the poor lad so uh the what are these guys called valerians talarians tavarians talarians uh cesarean <laughs> the Talarians show up. We have um we have the Junior Mint guy as Endar. Oh, is that the Junior Mint guy? That's the Junior Mint guy. Wow. Good for them. Uh and how'd you feel about this performance? Oh, also not good. Um better, better than the kids for sure, but also not good. I'm not sure what direction they gave this guy, but Nothing really came off right with him. No. The direction must have been, sound like you hit your child and you're trying to hide it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> so he, uh, you know, they get into a little fight about, like, oh, you know, Picard's like, well, we have, we have four of your guys, but the fifth is, like, a, a human, so we're keeping him for now. And... Um, Endar gets mad, obviously, because he's like, that's my son. He but, seems to actually care a lot about him. I enjoy that their custom allows for, uh, forced adoption. <laughs> abduction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was cute. It's like, oh, our culture says that we can violate his fucking rights. 
So you know, but what are you gonna do? I mean, what what else? What else? I mean, he could have just killed him too. It's like Picard could have killed Picard. No, 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 no. Andar could have killed Jono at the time, and it's like no one would have thought anything about it. Right. You know what I mean? It's like this wouldn't even be an issue if if Andar just shot him in the back of the head, but. Instead, you know, he was like, he was nice, and he was like, okay, I'll, like, take this kid in. So it's like, you know, really not all that bad, is it? I um, guess. <laughs> and then cue the, uh... They, 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 have, they have a little meeting in the ready room, and now it's like... This, it's this, an international war, incident, basically. Yeah, because because if if Endar doesn't get his kid, he's like, I'm going to start a war. And Picard's still trying to convince Jono that uh, he'd be better off staying, you know, with the the Federation or whatever. Um. Yeah, he I, I arranges a meeting. He arranges a meeting for. For Andar to see Jono, a supervised have meeting. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. He and Picard, you know, he and Troy and Crusher have a a little pre-meeting that really amounts to nothing because Picard's just like, "Well, I'm going to do it anyway." <laughs> and this could uh, be a very fragile time for him. Well, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, the two of them, the two aliens, I guess one alien, one human, they, they seem to have, like, a sincere bond, father-son. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a nice little moment, ostensibly. and um, Except except for uh, Sherman Howard's acting, yeah. which still <laughs> makes him seem duplicitous. <laughs> oh, God. But I, I enjoyed where they're like, okay, we need these aliens to show their affection, but it can't be anything that humans do, because that's not aliens. So what do they do? Well, they touch the forehead of one another. And yeah. It's like, well, that's not not really all that alien. They should have just tongue-kissed. I mean, that's pretty alien, <laughs> tongue-kissing your dad. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, he could have tongue-kissed Picard. <laughs> Or just, you know, a little tame for TV, so how about some butterfly kisses with the eyelash? <laughs> they, uh, even better, they just, they open their eyes wide and, like, touch their eyes to each other. <laughs> Eskimos are pretty alien. Could be an Eskimo kiss. Could be an Eskimo kiss. <laughs> uh, alright, what happens after that? Um... Endar goes back to his ship, and and we're still in the middle of this little tug of war. Uh, Picard brings Jono back to his ready room, I guess, or whatever, and Jono starts freaking out. He's like, "Oh, you don't let me do anything. I can't like get rid of my stress or whatever." Right. Right. I need to wail. I need to listen to Oingo Boingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Picard says, "Let me show you what I do when I feel these feelings." Right. I don't give a shit about what you do. Let me show you what I do. Right, right. Let me show you what I do. Uh, fuck your gay culture. This is what this is what a real human does. You need to play space and, uh, racquetball. Well, you think you think he's gonna go show him something like actually cool? <laughs> there were actually a few ideas kicked around for this scene. Um, the most popular of which is probably jousting. You know, Picard has a lot of history on horses. It, it stands to reason he'd he'd uh, show this kid something to do with horses, right? 
but no. And um, yeah, no, I, I think everyone kind of liked that idea. But we, we got these like really nebulous instructions from higher up to, to quote, make it gayer. And uh, I guess the horses were scrapped altogether just to avoid the temptation within that context. Yeah. And you don't, you don't want a Mr. Hand situation. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Or even just a, you know, you know, um, you know, horse breeders, they like jack off the horses. Right. Have you seen this? I've not seen it, but I've heard of it. There's something really erotic about it. Like like a like a woman goes up to a to a horse with like a a fleshlight and just jacks it off. And this is erotic. Kind of. I thought it was more of a pump. Like you affix it to the horse and the the machine does the work. Yeah, but it does, it does like a sucky suck, but like they still have to move it. Okay. Up and down, you know what I mean? Now, do the horses like um get a cigarette afterwards? <laughs> they got some some big uh big cocks those horses yeah there's a they're they're hung like horses <laughs> i forget what i was watching um it, it wasn't tim and eric but it was like tim and eric and the whole skit was um a ranch where all the horses have very have they've been bred to have very small penises so that <laughs> so that men could take like their wives there and their wife would be like wow that's smaller than yours you're bigger than a horse <laughs> <laughs> that's that's inspired that's really good <laughs> was it uh was it you that i was listening to the 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 gay sex songs with you remember that there's like a guy who would do like weird experimental like gay sex songs about living on a ranch yes yes um yeah grant something i i believe but uh ram yeah. ranch ram right. ranch <laughs> oh man that was something else <laughs> like 12 hung dudes in the showers at ram ranch <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go back and listen to that after this yeah, it's wild. It's um, it's like Justin RPG meets uh, Dragon Force. <laughs> Dragon Force. Well, because all the music is like really hard metal. Uh. And, <laughs> and there was an interview with him, and he's literally just a psycho. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing. There's nothing about it that's like a joke. No, he's just. It's just insane. Oh God. I didn't think Justin we'd talk RPG about and just insane. <laughs> didn't think we'd talk about Ram Ranch today. I, Dude, I, I, I totally memory hold that. Now it's back. Better than ever. Ram Ranch. Uh yeah. So, Jono uh, kicks Picard's ass at space racquetball. I guess I don't know. Right. Um, I want to point out about this that this brand of space racquetball is a recurring uh, concept in Deep Space Nine. Oh, great. Of course it is. Uh, Bashir and O'Brien's friendship was founded on a um, long, like a series of racquetball games that they played at Quark's where Quark let people bet on it. Mm -hmm. And then when I think Clark wanted one of them to throw the game and they both said that was bullshit and then they bonded. But it's, they docked. Yeah, they docked. But it's strange because Bashir is like genetically modified to be a superhuman, 
and that calls the fairness of the equation into into play. But you know, it, O'Brien also doesn't look like the kind of guy who would uh, exercise at all. Well, that's what's kind of cute about it is that O'Brien's like, oh yeah, back in the day, I was a very hot racquetball player. And uh. he shows up and he's got like an oversized t-shirt and basketball shorts and um, <laughs> like, you know, autism shoes. And then Bashir shows up and he was like, like a pro or a semi-pro and he shows up in like the spandex outfit with like all the gear. Mm-hmm. And um, O'Brien just gets his ass kicked. It's pretty funny. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. That's cute. Everything about the O'Brien-Bashir friendship in Deep Space Nine is incredibly um endearing do you think there's erotic fan fan art of them oh time to check what uh, would you call it what's the pairing i'm just gonna be more descriptive o'brien bashir gay sex images <laughs> all right gay sex fan art <laughs> i'm surprisingly not getting anything all right hold on Maybe you're better at finding the stuff than I am. Alright, there is there is fan art of Bashir in bed with, um... What is his name? The, uh, Cardassian. It starts with a G, maybe? I don't know. There's some guy. Some alien. Garrick. There we go. Hmm. Yeah, there's nothing, like, explicitly gay. Weird. Maybe people don't like O'Brien because he's, you know, <laughs> incredibly off-putting visually. <laughs> the art style in this one uh, suggests that whoever drew it is probably a homosexual. That is true. I believe, yeah, and this is them in the racquetball thing. Like, that's, that's, O'Brien's got some shitty rugby shirt on and, uh. Bashir's got the gay spandex. No, there is it a... It comes full circle. There is a lot of gay fan art of Bashir with this this Cardassian. Yeah, the yeah, other is. I'm seeing that too. I guess it makes sense. Like you said, O'Brien's not necessarily the... Uh... He's not really a hunk or anything. No. But that's part of his appeal. He's an everyman. Yeah, that's why he's Irish. He's got a kid and a, a beer belly. And a Japanese wife. And a Japanese wife. <laughs> Truly an everyman. Huh? There was one episode where um, O'Brien's daughter falls into like a space-time rift and comes out a fully grown woman that's feral. And what? the whole episode is them trying to communicate and get through to their their feral adult child um does she come out hot yeah kind of um and we have we have different standards for asian women i guess we do we do as long as i mean if she's asian then your answer is yes but <laughs> that's not true <laughs> but anyway she falls back into the space time rift at the end and comes back out again as a as a child so nothing the grandmother <laughs> a feral granny what happens is that she falls into the rift and pops out before the child pops out so she went even further back in the, into the past and um, then the child version comes out 
and as an adult she's able to help the child back into the rift slightly in the future of the present and uh that's how they get their kid back molly o'brien i had someone fairly recently like an acquaintance telling me that like i see i gave off the vibe that my type is asian women well yeah isn't that like insulting can it be insulting it is isn't it if it's true i mean it is not true though it's not really like a type though i mean i is Uh, it all right let's 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 have a come to jesus moment here let's have a come on jesus moment i need you to come on jesus's back so we can affix the sheet to him like a case (laughs) superman that hoe yeah (laughs) i mean i i love i love all races of women okay Okay, honey. I was just no. I was just asking in general. Is that is it that is not a, it is it is an insult. That is certainly an insult. You look like you particularly enjoy Asian women. Is an insult. Right. right. It's 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 the whole like you know neck beard aesthetic. Right. 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 It's it's like oh you look like you uh, moderate a subreddit. <laughs> Like uh you look you look like you'd settle for a Southeast Asian five. What's that uh you, it's that um that comic of like the uh the 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 subpar white guy with the Asian caricature woman. Like, <laughs> yeah. With the big teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love that. That's so funny to me. But it's funny to you because you're you're subconsciously trying to cover up your own preference for Asian women. Ah, is that it? That's it. I've I've psychoanalyzed you. <laughs> no, which is it's because we both we both know the we both know white guys who like um we do we do who who have girlfriends who look like like exactly like that. And f- further to the point, they're very proud of their Asian girlfriend. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh wow. Oh God! Anyway, let's not let's not get too into the race stuff. We've already done that for, enough this episode. For once on this show, let's not get into the race stuff. We're in the weeds of of race realism. <laughs> uh, where the hell were we? Oh yeah, so they played racquetball. Picard takes Jono to the uh, to ten forward. Um, Guinan well, is conspicuously missing. Of course, we don't have Whoopi money every week, but Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg. um prior to this in the at the end of the racquetball scene jono did break down emotionally yes you're right um which was a breakthrough but now he's he's off cavorting with um wesley crusher and uh splooging all over the young lad yeah 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 wesley introduces him to a uh banana split the greatest thing in the universe with Riker, Riker's there, Data's there, uh, Picard and Jono sit down. Yeah, yeah, the great. Yeah. <laughs> Wesley introduces the banana split as the greatest thing in the universe. It's probably the greatest thing in the universe, <laughs> as even as far like, as desserts go in the real world. It's and, yeah, it's like what? It's like a like a sixty fifth percentile dessert. Let's be real. And good. not only that, it's like for some reason this banana split is like entirely blue. Yes, it was made from the the milk of that cow that that luke had that luke drinks yeah, yeah. you're uh, bringing star wars in now i am such a star wars fan but so, uh yeah wesley wesley tells jonah to try it 
and he just spears it with his spoon or something and just gets ice mm. cream all over Wesley. Everywhere. And, Everywhere. Uh, all over know, his face. Of course, Will also had to be covered in ice cream for this, for the shot to work. And um, Will quite enjoyed it. I, I talked to him afterwards, and he cited this scene as uh, sparking his interest in the, uh, what was the quote, wet and messy? Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I saw the look in Will's childish eyes, and I just did not want to know anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, the but, less the less we know about his proclivities, I think, the better. But I guess ice cream is both wet and messy if one was to get it on oneself. It's sticky, though, isn't it? It's the sugar that makes it sticky. Mm. Like, uh, you ever dump soda pop on yourself? That's sticky. You ever dump carbonated water on yourself? It's not sticky at all. Well, yeah, I mean, in fact, carbonated water is great for cleaning stuff. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it's more effective to clean certain things than regular water is. Interesting. I'll remember that the next time I, I have a wet and messy situation of my own. <laughs> like, uh, uh... if I'm eating syrup in my waffles and it gets on the table. <laughs> if you're drinking maple syrup. <laughs> As Can I you often get decent do. maple syrup in, in Japan? Do you have to go to like an import store? I don't know. I know that if you ever go to like a, a cafe that serves waffles or pancakes the syrup's pretty decent as for home use i've never tried to buy any hmm. I, I, I would assume you'd have to go to like an import store and it's like 40 dollars for a little bottle what's that one import store that's fucking everywhere i don't know the name but i know what you're talking about it's blue it's got kind of like a darker color scheme yeah on the inside and it's like a fucking maze because it's just shelves uh -huh. that are like curved all lined up it's it's terrible it's like yeah it's it's like a um it's like a farmer's market version of a donkey Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and everything's expensive as hell yeah jesus and there's like a whole wine section but they don't sell any other alcohol right they they also always for some reason have taco shells like hard taco shells yep it's like <laughs> who is eating these it's like hard taco shells and nutmeg is the entirety of what they sell <laughs> Uh, a hundred dollar jar of Manuka honey. <laughs> and then just like bottom of the barrel snacks that you could get at a shop, right? You know, right, like, sure. Oh, sure. this is the only place I can get my chips ahoy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Reese's, that's a big one. Oh, God. You know, you, 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 you uh, love Reese's. I don't like peanut butter. Wow. Now, <laughs> I don't have anything else to say about this, but... Reese's Pieces. Yeah. <laughs> it speaks for itself. It does. It speaks for the trees. It's <laughs> it's it's very annoying. Reese's. <laughs> Reese's Pieces. Because <laughs> they're both wrong, right? Yeah. 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 yeah it's it's it. Uh, the humor is derived from the fact that uh, everyone knows how to pronounce pieces, but these people. Uh, are, are so hellbent on pronouncing Reese's as Reese's that they, 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 they twist an actual word. Do you ever um, in the rhyming convention? Do you ever use uh, that the pronunciation pieces in just normal conversation? Like, oh, <laughs> I, I ate two pieces of cake yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's actually really inspired uh, 
little prank right there. Yeah, just just pronounce things wrong, like your right. your Norm Macdonald. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, I think this was the only scene where, or the only scene with any length that um that Frank's and and Chad were in together, which was for the better. Yeah, I, I I just want to make note of that. Like, there is a reason for it, and it's um mostly because Frank's 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 did, did not like Chad uh, no. very much, uh, and which was, was unfair to Chad. It was unfair because I'm pretty sure it was it was solely because uh, of Chad's name, and um, I remember before before shooting his first scene, Frank's just got up and like started shouting, "I'm the only Chad on this ship." And um, after that, he'd only refer to Chad as Ponderosa. Nobody knew what he meant at the time either. Obviously, yeah, it he came out he later. He had a little smirk on his face. Yeah. Uh, I, so I've always wanted to wipe that smirk off of Frakes' face. Yeah, yeah. What? Just wipe it right off. What I've always wanted to do is take all of the stories of Frakes on set, make up some some falsify some some up some new ones mm-hmm. and tell them to Frakes in a beyond belief factor fiction style and have him guess if that really happened or if uh if we made it up <laughs> oh, that's kind of similar to what I've always wanted to do which is to uh, actually make up about a bunch of stories about the entire cast and crew of Star Trek the next generation and um, tell them to people on a podcast. Oh, I don't think anybody would listen to that. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. It's kind of a, I don't know. It, retaining an audience might be difficult for that. Mm. Mm. You got to keep the audience on retainer. Just pay them to listen. <laughs> so we get some stupid... We, actually, we should have a, we have yeah. a reverse Patreon. <laughs> Now that's a bit the reverse Patreon. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, anyway, where where, where are we, we doing we here? We get some terrible data um, humor, but it, I don't oh, know. Yeah. It's bad, but I did laugh. Where um, so he doesn't understand why everyone's laughing that uh, Will, what is his name, Wesley, is covered in ice cream, and uh, Frank's like, "Oh, look up slapstick." And Data's like, oh, it's type of humor of the absurd, not absurd, whatever it was. The, uh, yeah. Just, I think he described it as a farce, which isn't really what slapstick well, is. But he looks he looks up slapstick, and, and uh, what he finds is the entirety of uh, The Next Generation Season 1's data scenes. <laughs> <laughs> then the, uh, the show folded in onto itself. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... He explains what slapstick is, and Frank's like, alright, so you get why we're laughing. And Data says, no, I don't understand, but I assume it's quite humorous. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like, I'll take your word for it. It was pretty funny. Yeah, it was cute. Then the scene ends, and uh, I think the final confrontation happens, where the ship comes back, and it's time to do something about the boy. Yeah, Jono stabs Picard. Yes, that's it. He stabs him. Because he was in his in his explanation, he was enjoying human culture and he felt bad about betraying um, Talarian yeah. culture. 
Yeah. So he attacked Picard, which would, in his eyes, surely result in the death penalty. Yes. And Which seems a little extreme. Through this, Picard realizes the extent to which he loves Tolarian culture and that they were <laughs> they were wrong yeah. to not uh, grant his wishes to be with his um, surrogate family. Picard just had to almost die to revert back to his original character. And throughout the entire episode, I was feeling not... I was against the crew. Like, I, I felt they were acting unreasonably. But at the end, I felt that they can when they changed had to change a heart that they continued to act unreasonably, <laughs> because once Riker said, "Oh, he committed a crime. We need to take him back to be tried," that was the only time I felt that they were reasonable in in detaining him. Yeah, sure. And then that's when they decide, well, the crime doesn't matter. We were kind of meanie heads. It's fine that you <laughs> stabbed me. I'm back up. You can go go home. Go to your father. Well, I mean, that is something Picard would do. I. Yeah, if he thought he was morally wrong, he would be like, you know, well, it's kind of my fault. It's my fault you stabbed me. What a, what a cock. Uh, victim blaming. <laughs> it's my fault I was wearing a short skirt. You see? Well, you know what? Actually, that's true. <laughs> Picard um, had an abusive household growing up. That's why he became such a people pleaser. Right. You ever see this? You ever see people like clinging to pop psychology anecdotes yeah all, as, all as, as if they're meaningful right i don't know why it sticks in my cross so much but it really pisses me off do you have any other examples i'm curious yes um this was <laughs> you were so excited <laughs> to talk about this there was um a very popular post on the website reddit that said um enjoying dark humor is correlated positively with intelligence and oh, no. you know everybody just comes out of the woodwork to be like, ah, I, I've that's, always that's... liked dark humor. I my guess it favorite, makes sense. My favorite uh, uh, pop psych correlation with intelligence is not having friends. That's a good one. I that's really good. I, I, I love that. I got another one. Um, the idea that like. People who are spe who are gifted or special children uh, burn out and become lazy, and now they're mm -hmm. smart but lazy adults. And it's like, how about the fact that the standards for a gifted child were just incredibly low, and you were never really all that special to begin with? <laughs> and that the gifted children who did do something with their lives are the actual smart ones. Right, sure. <laughs> but people like, oh, I was in the accelerated class in sixth grade. Now I'm just a lazy adult, and like, man, society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you would have been doing a lot better if you were in the fucking retard class. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I was in the retard class, so now I'm doing... Uh, now I'm a multimillionaire. It's like, oh, I had to learn to work hard. Sixth grade really just uh, defined my life. <laughs> I mean, it, it is true. The bar is so low in public schools. I mean, you look at, like, the the non like in a, in a public school you look at the non-advanced classes and it's like it's like this is daycare you're mm. not even doing any work so it's like you can't tell me that like you would be better off having been through that well i don't think i don't think that's it it's more of that they had this label hoisted upon them when really it was meaningless but yeah, now sure. now they're using it as an identifier in their adult in their adult lives like oh i was a special child gifted child 
now I'm uh, a lazy adult and the school system or society failed me in some way. When yeah. it's like, no, you're, I, I, you're I think, just... I think a lot of it... You were never primed for success to begin with. You're just a lazy person. <laughs> right, yeah. I think a lot of it comes from, and I think they're articulating it wrong, I think a lot of it comes from um, in, in early uh, schooling, there's a certain number of kids, and it's, it's not rare by any stretch, but there's a certain number of kids who really just get to coast by on doing nothing because they just retain information well. Mm. And they get congratulated for it. You know what I mean? Right. And that's, that's, that's not... Um, retaining information is not... Intelligence? No, right, exactly. So I, I think I think there's there's an element of like just them articulating it terribly, but also by the time you get to high school, you should probably have realized this. It, yeah, you know? it's people without the ability to synthesize, right? You can replicate, yeah. but you can't make anything new. You can't form right. um, a thought, which is why so it's, like, it's like by high school that should be the point where you you do poorly on something, like let's say I don't know, like a physics class, mm. and then you realize, oh, wait a minute. But, but what they do is they just decide, oh, I'm not good at this, so I'm not going to try. You know what I mean? Right. Because they've never really tried for anything. Exactly. Um, they just retained information naturally well. So it's like, that's not really anyone's fault per se. Maybe your parents should have kicked your ass a little bit in that regard. But it's like, hey, it's kind of something you're supposed to learn. But of course, without the ability to, you know, again, synthesize information, have any kind of introspection on your own flaws you you carry this this uh veritable cross into your adult life and you're like man what went wrong i was a right, gifted right, kid right. i'm still a gifted kid well now now you can pivot into memorizing random facts about your favorite media franchise right and uh or arguing on forums about it with people who don't uh autistically become like a walking encyclopedia Just the worst. I hate people. But the <laughs> it's so often you see like these psychological pop psych headlines trumpeted about and it's like, yeah. oh, oh, this is a fact now. <laughs> that, right. And any way I tangentially relate to this means that I am, I too am sure. of this gifted smart group. And it is always about uh, making people feel better about themselves. Right. Well, and I think we talked about this last week, but it's it's another element. It's another facet of like people who talk about things with, and not spend more time talking without doing. Yes. Like, or or they try to find value in their what they consider to be their inherent characteristics. Like, oh, here's here's my lineage. You know what I mean? Something like that. Mm. And and they spend like three hours uh, discussing this with someone, and it's like, no. First of all, no one cares. Second of all, um. It, it, it that doesn't reflect you as a person at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, it's like you know, nationalism is a big part of this. That's another way it manifests. Um, sports preferences. Yeah, sports are big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the whole fandom thing that's basically the identical to this, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's not me. It's the things that I like that that define me. And yeah. People just don't have real personalities by and large they're the npcs not us yeah not me um i read oh, this man. article that said that um people who make podcasts uh making a podcast is a positive <laughs> correlation with 
uh, being a special little boy. So uh, <laughs> take that, the rest of the world. That's right. That's right. We're uh, intelligent and have giant dicks. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, the boy goes back to the guys. The end. The end. The card says, I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong to not act like myself for the past 47 minutes. <laughs> we basically did just hold a child hostage for no reason. Yeah. Just because Crusher doesn't know what a horse riding injury looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone I, I, makes mistakes. I enjoyed some of the language the aliens used. I The phrase that sticks in my mind is the kid going, I always win at the games. <laughs> it's just like you evolved space travel but you still talk like your name is Grok <laughs> or like a, like a, an English second language like transplant from China right <laughs> oh boy um, I don't really have anything else to say about this episode do you? no way really? yeah it's, I, it's, I can't believe it it's come and it's gone we uh, I, it's like we're at the end it's it just fucking stops they they give the enterprise <laughs> realizes that they were the villains of the story and just correct their actions nobody really learned anything because we no. we started in negative space and now we're back to zero um, yes exactly yeah and like i said at the beginning i love bottle episodes for what they force writers to do and they didn't force the writer to do anything with this no, they forced them to build a racquetball set. That's that's this is what happens when you have women writing and directing. They don't they don't know what they're doing. Do you remember when um Catherine Bigelow won won the the Oscar mm -hmm. and they had to change the name of the category to uh, best directress? Yeah, 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 that was a a big moment. Well, no one ever thought, you know. Right. Now, I'm lo really looking forward to her biography, or her biopic, um, Catherine Bigelow, Male Gigolo. <laughs> Word association. You can't just say it. Just saying word association doesn't... There's nothing implied by that. <laughs> uh, what kind of name is Connaught, though? Oh, bad alien name. Are you sure? Are you sure that's not a real name? Connaught? Connaught Rosa? Is it uh, that, that kid's grandmother's name? Oh, the Admiral. Fuck. I thought I thought it was the alien's name. Because that's what it sounds oh. like. Oh, it's a province in Ireland. Ah, somebody call up Colm. We've been running into a lot of Irish words recently. Yeah. Haven't we? Yeah, like we kept, keep talking about the Blarney Stone. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> the you know, this the Seafer River. Right, yes. Uh yes. I was the Seafra. Seafra. So the, from the, now on I'm gonna laugh at anyone who says Seafra. Uh Keofra Sutherland. Ooh. Pull him out the big guns here. See Irish? He's drunk all the time, so. 
Um, he looks Irish. He looks like he's gonna die. Like he's I don't look like that for like decades, though. Yeah, and he's still kicking. <laughs> I... Kicking and screaming. Didn't we talk about twenty four last week? We did. It, it was like offhand. Good lord. We don't have an on-hand conversation here ever. Oh, that was uh, that's 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 what I was thinking of that that video that the uh, that you sent me on twenty four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great video. And it's like it's just it's just so right. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I I really like the statistics on um character deaths and uh, their relation <laughs> to Jack Bauer. That was um. A really weird time. Um, this like it, weird like it, neocon. Culture? Yeah, yeah, like like this almost like vaguely neocon bend to to TV shows like that. Yeah, I mean the pendulum swings, and right now it's we're very far on the other end, but eventually, more um, conservative lunacy will become in vogue once more. Well, the swing back is going to be genocide. Basically, it's going to be a show about. You know, killing like certain people. The actual Squid Game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be like a, a a battle royale type thing. Oh, I can't wait. That's that's where we're. Get... It's gonna be like the Running Man with Richard Dawson. Yes, just like that. Do you know? Have you have you seen that movie? I haven't. No, I've I've been meaning to watch it, but well, the conceit of it is that like criminals are put into this death game on television yeah where they just they are the running man and they have to get through a an elongated course while they're hunted down by like mercenaries which mm -hmm. are all professional wrestlers and acting and um so they're like these big guys but um it's like a dystopia it's a dystopian science fiction show yeah sure. show tell a movie and arnold's in it and richard dawson Mm -hmm. I remember it because there's a quote where Richard Dawson like announces over the PA like, he's trying to catch Arnold. He's like, because Arnold's the one person who's ever had a shot of winning this show, and he's like, yeah. "It's time to stop running." And he's like, "But it's the running man. That's what he does." <laughs> um, and uh, and then Arnold's like, "Truly, I am the running man." Basically, that and the robot um, shouting that he's did not murder that guy, and I robot are two lines from movie history that <laughs> I will remember forever. <laughs> I robots suck. It's so bad. It's it's That was uh that was Asimov, right? Yeah. Well I don't know how much he had to do with of, the film, but well, his, none of his books have ever been like adapted well. No, not at all. And the the gross amount of product placement in in the uh Will Smith production just puts it I over don't the edge. Remember that. Oh, oh I've told I've told this story many times but i'm gonna regale you with a scene from my robot um so at the beginning of the film a fedex driver who's a robot with the fedex logo printed on him comes and drops off a package at will smith's <laughs> door and he rings the bell and walks away uh will smith opens the door it's a nice little fedex package there maybe it's got like the uh, the tagline written on it too he brings it inside and sits it down and he opens the package and he takes out um a converse shoe and he holds it up to the camera. You see the logo. Show the logo. <laughs> and he says, ah, Converse, vintage 2004. Well, you know, whatever year the, the movie was made where they put out a new line of shoes. 
and he puts it on, like shows him tying the shoe, and he's like, oh, oh my god, feels great, and it's just embarrassing. Then like there's the 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 cars are also branded. I think there's probably like a cola that's branded and shown, and there's just so much product placement in the film. It's insane. That's terrible. You want to know the most autistic thing I've ever thought about? What's that? Is uh, like like been close to buying is those Puma Sonic the Hedgehog shoes. Ooh, now those weren't the soap soap shoes, right? Or were they? No, no, no. These these are uh, product placement for the or not product placement, but tie, a tie in? in with the new the new film. Okay. Uh, and they do look pretty cool. I would fucking love those soap shoes though. I, aren't soap shoes like very heavy or unwieldy to just walk around in? I'm pretty sure they are, yeah. Very slippery. <laughs> um, I I found the uh the the good good butter no good good steak good butter good butter good steak it's good butter good steak. And uh, they they have this butter. They're using it like a gravy. Yeah, it's a sauce. It's a butter sauce. It's not like it's yeah. fried in butter or anything. Or that there's a, a piece of butter on top of it. It's a it's yeah, it's a very heavy sauce. So did you try just like tossing it in the rice? Cause that might that might Well the thing make is it, better. it might, but when I went to eat the rice, it it was already pretty it had absorbed a lot of the sauce and it was yeah. inedible. Like I got through the steak, but I couldn't get through the rice. Mm. Um which... I wanna try this now. I could see you enjoying it, and I don't mean anything by that, but <laughs> I could see you enjoying it. Yeah, I'm just like morbidly curious because it does look gross, right? Some of the shots that they had on in in the Uber Eats app didn't because the sauce is like it's not it's a it's, it's translucent. I don't know. It's more you don't like it's not it covered. Looks, in... It looks vaguely like semen. Maybe you're looking at a different picture because um, the one I ate and the one I ordered didn't really have that. Uh, now I'm gonna pull here's, up the menu here. No, here's here's what I'm looking at. All right. It's I guess yeah. It's not. It wasn't that heavy, I suppose. But this is. Oh okay. This is pretty similar to what I got, but in appearance it wasn't that heavy, but in taste it it definitely was. Hmm. And it was weird because you know that toned down um it would have actually been really good um which is what's the most disappointing thing of it all they just put so much butter sauce on it when just a little would have done yeah is this on your bucket list good butter good steak <laughs> i'm reading reviews right now and uh, what are they saying? No one, no one seems to care about this, about how heavy the butter is. Maybe this is another example of the, the Japanese palate. Yeah, maybe. Where everything they, they ever eat is so fucking bland that you put a, a hint of flavor into something and they just eat it up. <laughs> Without even thinking. Alright, how many saucer steps for this episode? I'm gonna take a radical stance and give it two. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I was going to give it two and a half, but I think uh, having talked about it, I, I've realized it's even stupider than I thought.
Yeah, just the 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 it, the way it mishandles the characterization of everybody on such a gross level definitely brings it down, rounds down to a two. Yeah. Um. All right. I've been really excited about. I I know you mentioned this earlier about this little question I have for you. So today we're talking about Planet X. Okay. It's a next generation novel. Okay. Because of course it is. And uh, it was released in May 1998. Written by Michael Jan Friedman. And uh, let me just read you the uh, the, the jacket summary. Please. <laughs> On the planet Zaldia, ordinary men and women are mutating into, into bizarre creatures with extraordinary powers. But is this a momentous evolutionary leap or an unparalleled c- catastrophe? The very fabric of Zaldian society is threatened as fear and prejudice divide the transformed from their own kin. Dispatched to cope with the growing crisis, Captain Picard and the crew of the Starship Enterprise receive some unexpected visitors from another reality, in the form of the group of mutant heroes known as the Uncanny X-Men. I'm sorry? (laughs) Storm, leader of the X-Men, offers their help in resolving a situation that is agonizingly similar to the human mutant conflicts of their own time and space. But when hostile aliens appear in orbit around Zaldia to try and abduct the Transform for use as a super-powered force in an attack on the Federation, even the combined forces of the crew of Starfleet and the X-Men may be unable to prevent an inferno of death and destruction. The combined forces. I, I feel like one of those might outweigh the other. (laughs) <laughs> Starfleet's finest crew and Earth's greatest mutant heroes will need all their powers and abilities to save the Zaldian people and stop a deadly threat to the Federation. Um, so first of all, um, what are your impressions of this? Well, I'm amazed that they couldn't think of another name for the planet other than one that used the letter X, because if the X-Men are involved, it, uh, everything <laughs> must be X. Planet X, Zaldia... Uh, um, I think this is one of the worst things. Now, is this a book or a comic book? It's a book. It's a novel. That's even more surprising. Mm-hmm. Now, there are comic books with where, uh, like, there's there's like an, an actual continuity where like the X Men and like the TNG crew interact, uh, and this includes comics and stuff like that, and they're all canon with each other. Jesus. <laughs> Like, you know, Riker talking to Wolverine. You know what I mean? Like, oh, God. It's like, okay, this guy can regenerate from any injury. This this woman can conjure the weather. This guy shoots lasers out of his eyes. He got Wesley Crusher. <laughs> kind of smart. I'm actually probably, I'm probably going to buy this book. Oh, fuck you. I'm, I'm so, so interested. But anyway, the, one of the funny things that I, I noticed in a, a Wikipedia summary of this mm-hmm. was uh, the novel, it says, hinted at an attraction between Jean-Luc Picard and whom? Oh, no. Uh, do, you know, do you know the X-Men? I'm going to try. I know... <laughs> I know Storm. I know Jubilee. Um, I know Phoenix. What's her name? Gray. What is that woman's name? Phoenix. I don't know. Dark Phoenix. Um, Jean Gray. Jean Gray. That's. I said Gray. I was right. 
Yeah. I okay. For the <laughs> for the maximum stupid <laughs> answer, I'm gonna say that Jean and Jean had had a romantic coupling. That is beautiful, but no, I, I'm afraid not. It was um, it was actually it was Storm. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Whatever. And uh, and uh, I will continue to quote. And made a forward-looking reference to the then-uncast X-Men feature film by remarking on the uncanny resemblance between Picard and Xavier as oh. the two converse via the holodeck. So, the resemblance was just that they're bald, right? That's Yes. That's all they had to go on? Yep. <laughs> Yikes. So, I, I just, I really wanted you to know that this exists. Yeah, my life is better for knowing this. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Well, I can't say that I uh, usually learn something of this amount of import on uh, on every one of our episodes, but this one is surely mm-hmm. a, a red-letter day. And I, I, th- I thank you sincerely for that. Yeah, of course. I, uh, I, I may or may not have uh, a series of questions taken from this book for you. So. Oh, at the very least, you're going to have to read some interesting excerpts on the show. If, if not trivia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might be a good bit, yeah. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of The Readier Room. Um, Suddenly Human is in the rearview mirror, and coming up is uh, a Dr. Crusher episode, which I know we're all very excited for. Mm-hmm. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Denny's and the Pep Boys. Um, Denny's, you can buy a Grand Slam or the Moon's Over Miami, and at Pep Boys, they have it in good authority that you can get your oil changed in about 15 minutes. And if you are at either of these fine establishments and you drop the phrase word readier, you'll get 15% off. Stay safe out there. Don't get shot by any 3D printed weapons. Take care of yourself and yours. And until the next time we meet, please stay readier. The troublesome little man child. lowest of species. Thank you, Ensign. Engage. inside the bottle bottle.